Hey guys, this episode of the Alex House is brought to you by The Standard. You can find them at 14 Northeast 22nd in beautiful Northeast Portland. That's right, it's beautiful. Do you want to argue with me? Do you? I hope not, because I'll win. It's beautiful. You can also find them on Facebook, which is made of ones and zeros, which I suppose if you're a mathematician you'll find beautiful. Facebook.com slash TheStandardPDX. So find them in real life, beautiful, 14 Northeast 22nd, or find them in mathematical life, also beautiful, if you're a mathematician, at facebook.com slash the standard PDX. Go there, get drunk, say hi to Alex. And in the famous words that I open the show every week with, I really should come up with an intro at some point. This is the Alex cast. Uh, I have uh, with me in studio a guest. That's right. I actually got one in studio. Um, that's you should be excited by all of this. And it is. Uh, uh, oh, I should have asked how to pronounce your last name, but Eric. Arniston. Arniston. No, I, no, no, no. Tea. No T. Just ah, Arniston. I see. I should have asked. No, uh, that's all right. Um. And you are Arnamancy on Twitter. I am, yes. I, I'm. Uh, I've got multiple Twitter handles, but that's um, that's the one that you know me through for sure. Uh, yes. yes. Uh, what, do you do you have other ones? Or is there a you? Yeah. Uh, I have the the me is uh, Pymander, P Y M A N D E R. Oh, uh, I, I think I've seen you retweeted and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess um, when I start, you know, Arnamancy was a, a tarot reading business thing idea that i had and when i first started a friend of mine who's a social media expert told me that i should start a new twitter account and a new social media thing for everything and i was like all right fine so now i've got two twitter handles and on the pymander one i try to just keep my personal stuff and my computer nerd stuff and then the darny mancy handle has all of my weird shit yeah I've I've never ma- mastered that ability to separate the two. I've tried it a cu- on a couple of occasions, and have just it doesn't work. There is no fun way. Yeah, and then it's it becomes this really weird thing of like, well, does this count as is this tarot me? Is this podcast me? Is this yeah. writer me? Like, which 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 kind of schism am I drawing tonight? Yeah, I mean, so one of the things that I stumbled across on Twitter is there are all these great. Uh, uh, archaeologists who are posting you know not only interesting articles but these great pictures of like archaeological finds and old castles and uh, roman ruins and uh, coins and helmets and swords and all that kind of stuff and when i wasn't paying that much attention to twitter i didn't know about this but then once i did i was like ah how do i retweet this so arnamancy has a lot of archae- archaeological goodies mixed in with uh, weird occult stuff yeah that's that's my Twitter's got a lot of that, which is one of the main complaints I've had about my Twitter and my show is that um, the people that like that stuff like that stuff. But uh-huh. then, I'll, then I'll talk about, you know, um, 
my you know the the whatever superhero tv show i like at the moment uh-huh. and then and then complain about you know whatever uh professional wrestling and it's just my 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 uh kind of i like to refer to it as renaissance man style but more completely <laughs> i'm oh, interested in way too much stuff I am, it really chases people off sometimes <laughs> i think that the renaissance man style is the way to go i've got a a client that i work with uh on my more normal professional side uh, and I, I subcontract through him and, and he's always like, oh yeah, at first we were afraid to bring you to meet our clients. And then at one point we we're like, oh, you know, it's Portland. If they can't handle some strange random Portland guy, then they probably shouldn't be doing business here. Yeah. And I, I sort of realized at some point that it's not cool to, at least I don't feel really cool hiding who I am. You know, I feel like if you're going to have anything to do with me then you know deal with the fact that i really like the occult and i really like computers and yeah. that yeah so no that's worse for me I... yeah however i don't necessarily follow that practice because i still have two twitter handles and like a dozen websites yeah <laughs> that's yeah I, I again i'm trying to figure that out. i I've, i just made a a website just for my writing and then i just realized it's just useless like I mean, yeah. it's just you know it's a it's a yeah, it's a it's a weird beast trying to exist in, the, in this kind of universe. Right, uh, right. So, do you are you let's let's put words in your mouth for you. Great. Are you are you would you consider yourself an occult practitioner? Oh yeah, totally, okay, definitely. Right. I guess I would probably consider myself a uh, a ceremonial magician. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like tarot. Um, I started doing tarot professionally a couple of years ago, uh, and I mean literally a couple of years ago. I think it was like. Actually, it was probably three years ago. And um, and it was when I was super broke. I wasn't getting any freelance work. And I was like, crap, I need to make a little bit of extra money. And I started reading tarot cards at the press club, which is gone now. But it used to be uh, down on 26th and Clinton. And a buddy of mine was... Bar- oh, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, that place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A buddy of mine was a bartender there. And another buddy of mine owned it. And it was really fun. And now I... I do it a lot less, a lot less frequently, but I still have like some regular clients and things and I, I still enjoy it, but it, it's lost and, and I feel like I've gotten super good at it, but it's not as charming and, as, and exotic as it once was. Yeah. <laughs> After you've done, I, I don't know if I'm going to be ruining the, the lives of uh, tarot readers everywhere, but it feels like after you've done, you know, a thousand tarot readings for other people, every single tarot reading is sort of the same. It's sort of like, get up get off your ass, go do exactly what you know is right and are asking me about already. Yeah. Um, And it's hard to explain to people, first of all, that tarot reading isn't intended to be like fortune telling. You know, like, I don't feel like I can tell the future. Maybe the obvious stuff, but it's the same future that you could tell by, uh, I don't know, spilling a box of pencils on the floor and trying to pick things out of the patterns of the pencils. Like, it's... You know, you already know there's so many patterns in life that you already know what's going to happen in general unless you make changes. Um, we're not always really happy about acknowledging that as people, I think. Yeah, I so this is this is a topic of contention for me um, within myself because. And, OK, well, this is a good this is a good form for me to say this sentence out loud. I kind of feel like I can see the future a little bit. <laughs> And I, oh I, yeah, I mean, I mean that, and I don't mean that in like a psychological way. I mean, as a divinatory like connection to some kind of 
power outside myself or within myself, there's some information that is transited that isn't just from the subconscious. And it's... Well, (laughs) I mean, I suppose that is most likely true in some sense. I I feel like uh, there's definitely information that we receive that isn't... I don't know a good way to put this without sounding like a lunatic. Well, yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is always the problem when you talk about occult stuff is at some point you, you not only like start, if, if you try to not sound like a lunatic, then you sound like you don't know what you're talking about in the occult. And then if you cross the line, it pretty quickly goes like sideways into lunacy. So, so like, yeah, for, for a moment, we'll, we'll go sideways a little bit into lunacy and we'll say that there is something, I think, I think that, uh, you know, if you go deep enough into sort of like occult theory and, and the occult mindset that, that we are sort of like manifestations of the divine soul or like the, you know, like the, the panentheistic deity or whatever that is, you know, manifested in creation. So of course there's some part of us, even if it's just like the most remote, minute spark that ex- that sort of like transcends time and space and certainly bits and pieces of information leak in here and there i mean okay maybe certainly is a strong word but you know yeah. what i'm saying well that's it yeah th- see this is this is the battle is mm-hmm. i i and the one of the reasons i stopped reading tower and i still read tower for myself mm-hmm. often but the re- one reason i stopped reading you know for for money or for other people as often is People's and I, and I and it's one hundred percent my fault. But people want to hear the non-spiritual side of tarot. They want to hear the math. It seems mm-hmm. and I don't mean math in like a cool kabbalistic way. I mean the well, this card means this, this card means this, and this card plus this card means this card. Like that kind of surface level shit. And yeah. I found myself doing that, and it's like, Ew, this is this is nothing like the tarot that I like, you know. And yeah, it, it yeah. takes some of the some of the magic out of it. And then, frankly. A lot of the readings that way is much like you described earlier. I kept having the exact same reading for everybody, and they were well pleased by it. And then you know, oh, yeah, like people get yeah popped back in months later, going, "Wow, mm-hmm. that was really great." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've I've got that same experience. You know, like you, you know, you sit down and do tarot readings for twenty or thirty people in an evening, and uh, and you might get like one or two people who, in in a sense, they they have to kind of buy in and play along. So you get some people who show up and they're so skeptical. Oops, sorry, I leaned really far away. From <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they're they're so skeptical that they that there's nothing you can say that will encourage them to play along. And then other people who will play along no matter what you say. And then there are the people where you give them a reading, and even if it's the same kind of reading that you give everybody else, they find something super profound in it. Uh, and I'm not saying that that's bad. You know, I think it's great that you take something profound away from an experience like that. But the thing that bothers me is that not enough people take a look at, you know, the system of tarot. If I give them a tarot reading that they really, really love, so, so few of them ask me, how could I do this for myself? Because it really is like tarot is at its best when it is introspective. For sure. Yeah. When you're when you're reading for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I'm. Th- the downside for for tar- I mean not the downside again it's, it is the the constant question with tarot and one that I've never been in. I, I started reading when I was fifteen I think I got my first deck so mm-hmm. that's you know, uh, how many years twenty two years ago so I've been I've been doing that for, for a while 
And I still can't answer the question of what what it is I'm doing, which is really <laughs> awkward, especially when you're asking for money for your services, where it's just like, well, I mean, I assure you what you're, you're going to get something out of this, but I, I can't tell you, you know, it's, uh, if you want to do the math one, I can give you websites that'll do that for you. But that's not, right. you know, that's not it's why not you need a tarot. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that it takes kind of some of the sexy out, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. It, it absolutely does. Um, you know, I mean, different tarot readers also have different ways of looking at the cards and different ways of uh, of interpreting results and different ways of, like, relating cards to each other. So, mm, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, different tarot readers, different <laughs> oh, yeah. cards. Yeah, yeah uh, so different tarot readers have different ways of looking at the cards and different ways of interpreting them. And... You know that what you're what you're saying is sort of the math way. I think is like you know you read the definitions out of the book, out of the little white book, and yeah. you're like, oh, this plus this equals this, and these two cards together always mean this. Uh yeah, I, I, that's not a. I don't think that's always the best way to read. But when you're reading for other people, especially when you're doing a ton of them, you gotta. Yeah. Um. You don't really. You know. I mean, if you're reading for somebody that you know or for yourself. That's you're doing yourself a disservice by using that method. But if you're reading for somebody you don't know, sometimes, you know, sometimes you wait for inspiration to strike. Sometimes you'll like lay out cards and you'll look at them and and you'll see a picture or a story and you'll be able to convey, oh, I see this. And maybe they'll be able to relate to it. And maybe they won't. And I'd say the best tarot readings I've had, I've done for other people, for strangers, I'd say, or for like clients that I haven't known. I lay out the cards and I usually just do three cards and, uh, and sometimes it'll take a moment, you know, I'll sit and look at the cards for a little while and pay attention to the symbols in them. And, uh, and the feelings you get are the, the, the pictures you get are always different depending on the deck. And sometimes all of the cards will kind of click together and there'll be a story and I'll be like, Oh, I see this. This is, you know, some part of your life and a thing that you shouldn't do and a thing that you should do and it all comes together like this and they'll be like oh my god you're amazing that that doesn't happen all the time but every once in a while it is nice to hear oh yeah i'm always sort of like oh crap i didn't realize (laughs) that 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 makes me feel better about myself but um but a lot of times it has to be math a lot of times you if you're faced with that sort of situation you have to give them a reading and um and you have to Pull something out of the cards. Sorry about that. What was that? It, uh, uh, this computer refuses to accept the fact that I don't want Windows updates to make a noise. So I've turned off all the system noises, uh-huh. and they're off. But they, for... it just it, it, it they won't be <laughs> off. It it just refuses to actually accept the command, and I I just kind of gave up and went. Nah. Every now and again, there's going to be a boo noise hey, while that, we're you podcasting. Know, that's, it's it's uh, better than other noises that you could you could have. Yeah, I want to uh, I want to take a moment to warn people against the stump town oh, beverage. Yeah. So, uh, on my way over here to the uh, sumptuous Alex Cast Studios in in Portland, Oregon, I picked up a stump town sparkling original cold brew coffee. I uh, it's got sugar and lemon in it, uh, and it's carbonated, and it it sucks. Don't drink these. I mean. I suppose if you really feel like spending $3.50 on a can of coffee. Ouch. I know. I know. It was. Very, I, I drank the whole thing just because I spent so much money on it. And uh, the whole time I was kind of unhappy with the experience. So Stumptown, I don't know what you were thinking. 
Yeah, it's that's that's really dropping the ball. Like a lot, I just I they, I still can't get my head around the putting lemon in a coffee drink. That doesn't make me happy. Yeah, I mean, coffee's already really acidic. Yeah, uh, it's almost like they're trying to cof- copy iced tea. Um, but uh, yeah, iced tea already has that mastered. Yeah, yeah, we don't need we don't need another iced tea. They should have. I don't know what they could have done. I'm I'm not a expert in beverages except for beer. I'm an expert in beer. Oh yes, and we're we are drinking a full sail amber right now. Yeah, and this is a classic. Like the full sail amber, is is from uh, perhaps Oregon's only remaining employee owned brewery, and they're based out of Hood River, Oregon. And this is a beer that I have been drinking for a zillion years, not literally. Well, it could be. I mean, depending, you know, multiverse and all that oh, stuff, yeah. you know. Yeah. In, in Across the multiverse, I've been drinking this beer for a zillion years. Yeah. But but here in this one, it's just been like since the 90s. Yeah. That's, I mean, that feels like, it feels like a zillion years right now. Tell me about it. Um. Okay. Uh, what other tarot things? I never get to talk to tarot people. So mm. I, I want to, I want to say tarot stuff. Okay. What deck do you use? Are you Rider Waite Smith? I am. I am. I really like the Rider Waite, uh, which I probably should call the Rider Waite Smith. And I have a I have a, a, a Rider Waite deck that I've been using for probably about fifteen years or so, maybe less than that. It's hard to really remember. Um, when I'm reading at an event or like I'm doing an event, I also bring the Connolly Tarot, which is Rider Waite based, but it's super friendly. Like there are no scary cards in it. Oh, okay. The yeah. the Death card is the transition card. Uh, the devil card is, I think, the materialism card. Um, the ten of swords and nine of swords, which are both kind of classically super scary looking, are are fairly pleasant looking. Uh, the three of swords, which in the rider weight has like the three swords plunging through the heart, is like three swords going through a cloud over a castle. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's, yeah, that's adorable. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really pretty. Uh, it might be, in fact, the oldest deck that I currently own. Um, and it's, it, the, and the symbolism is, it, it never scares people. So complete newbies who, who've never had their tarot read before, uh, tend to be okay with that deck. Yeah. I read the Thoth. Uh, I mean, I, I've got a crap load of decks, but yeah, uh, Thoth too. is the, uh, the one that I grew up on. Uh, this, that deck sitting right there, the, the one under the Egyptian tarot. That's, oh, okay. That's the one I bought in 95. So oh, that's, yeah. that's a very old deck, but um, giving readings to people when they're new to it is like, oh yeah, this is yeah. Remember the wickedest man in the world, the the B six six six. Well, this is the deck he made up. And right, flip right. the cards over, like yeah, that's 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 the uh, hermaphrodite with uh, tits that's on goat legs. But don't worry, it's not that bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A- I mean, I when I so I usually bring like a number of decks. Yeah. So I usually bring the the Rider Waite Smith and uh, the Connolly Tarot. And then another one which I picked up a couple years ago is the Sacred Rose Tarot, which is this great deck that really appeals to people who are maybe more into sort of like Wiccan or, you know, nature-based stuff. Um, and it's, it's total like classic seventies art, um, really like striking vivid, uh, imagery and a lot of sort of like hidden alchemical stuff in it. So I can still really nerd out on the deck. Yeah. Um, and I like that one a lot too. And that one is, uh, that one can be just as harsh as the Rider weight, but because the, symbolism or the image i mean the symbolism is is very similar but the imagery is different enough that um people who are familiar you know with the rider weights sort of like demonization in in popular culture aren't going to be scared by it yeah so you can pull the death card and they aren't going to be like oh my god death we're all doomed you know this is this is (laughs) this is how fucked my life has been 
is I never read the Road Against Smith because I always thought that was for pussies. <laughs> like, it's literally, I was, you know, I'm, I'm, uh-huh. I got the Thoth neck, I, you know, right. fucking hardcore Taro idiot from the start. And that, uh, I think that, it set back my tower learning by probably five years to start with a deck that complicated, but... I don't yeah. know. Well, I mean, the Thoth deck is really complicated. Yeah. I've never used the Thoth deck. It's, it's. I mean, you would love it if you're into alchemical symbols. I mean, there's an entire... The story of uh, transmutation and the Holy Grail is, mm-hmm. is hidden in it. Lon Milo Decad has a whole video series talking talking about like all the hidden stuff oh, in, in, yeah. in those cards and they're i mean it's fantastic but boy for a for a newcomer don't touch those things they're <laughs> they're impossible <laughs> well even the rider weight is pretty heady for a newcomer like the rider weight has it's a true. lot of yeah. uh, of pretty intense symbolism in it you know i mean uh it was developed by arthur edward Waite, who was not a lightweight oh yeah, I'll, was... I'll let it go. No, you know, I'm happy with it. Honestly, <laughs> I I wouldn't I wouldn't invite somebody on with my chemical bromance. Double double play on words. I'm I'm enamored. It's perfectly okay. I like I like a dad joke. You're you're in good hands here. Please. Cool. Wait, <laughs> is this where we do we get to plug my podcast now? Do we get to talk about my alchemical bromance? That's a. I mean, I suppose we could talk about my chemical bromance. Yeah. Well, I have got a podcast with two other guys, um, who are not here. Yes, and you have a, a an alchemical bromance with them. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I've I've known them for quite a while. I met them in Oklahoma, and they both moved to Washington recently. And uh, one of and they're we're all Freemasons, you know. And um, oh, I was going to ask you about that. Are, are you cool talking about Freemasons? Hell yeah! Oh, cool. cool okay. To talk about Freemasons. Yeah. Um, but we were uh, so one of them, Matt Anthony, had had a Masonic podcast for a while, and. I was hanging out with them one day and we were drinking some beer and I was like, oh, we should do a podcast. I was intending, I, I'm not super, uh, podcast savvy. I just recently started listening to them and I'm, so I, I kind of feel like I'm not all up on the lingo and terminology and stuff. And what I was meaning to say is like, I would love to be on your Masonic podcast. You should interview me for masonry stuff. And he said, yeah, let's make a podcast. And he started making this whole plan. Like we, now have a podcast oh that's awesome like a yeah. full-on podcast yeah, that's and, a good start <laughs> yeah and yeah. i'm I, I love it podcasting is fun i mean yeah it's way easier than writing oh yeah uh you don't even and in fact you know you do your live podcast things where you, you don't even really need to edit any stuff no uh you and do, most you of the time all. it's great oh yeah you yeah. just you just ramble on people listen to other people ramble yeah it's like i don't know how to it there's a thing in it that's not comparable to reading where it's sort of like a combination between eavesdropping and voyeurism that is done on purpose yeah wait so that kind of makes us exhibitionists we are exhibitionists oh, no. of uh small talk 100 <laughs> percent. i i i've i've said this before like i i refuse to not refuse but i don't like being on camera very much i'm trying to get over this but like i have talked about the most intimate stuff that most people would cringe thinking about their secrets getting out in the world uh-huh. and i'm like Oh no! I just turned on a mic and said it on purpose, and then let the let the internet listen to it because oh, it yeah. there's a certain amount of, I, I mean, emotional exhibitionism that's kind of part of the podcasting. Thing. I think it's fun. That, oh sure, in that way. Yeah. yeah, and I think um, one of the reasons that that uh, Joey and Joey Harrison is the other guy on that My Alchemical Romance. I think one of the reasons that they got really excited about podcasting is one night we were. They were both visiting Portland. We went out drinking, and I started telling stories. And they were so amazed by my stories where that Joey was like, we have to do a podcast. You can tell these stories and everybody can hear them. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not telling. 
I'm not going to tell those stories. We'll, we'll, we'll make up new stories or I'll make up stories to cover up the, the ones that I'm not going to reveal to the entire world. But yeah. Well, you're you're new yet. Uh, I guarantee you, by episode fifty, every single one of those comes out. Because boy, do you run out of oh. shit to say. Jeez. <laughs> oh, because <laughs> I said the same thing. I used to I used to believe I'd hold stuff back, and then it's like, oh man, it's like I ran out of stuff about episode forty. Like, all right, I guess. Well, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna make up fake names. Then I'm oh, not gonna fine. tell the yeah, real yeah. names of people that that I've got these awesome stories about. And some of the stories are sort of terrifying, but um. Uh, but yeah, there. Th- that was, I think, one of the reasons that they got really excited about it. But, but we've been having a good time with it. It's super fun. I I understand why you've been doing it. What are we? Is this going to be episode like two hundred and ninety? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a lot of podcasts. Yeah, I started in. I think the end of two thousand ten was was I recorded the first episode. Jeez, you're going to run out of hard disk space. Yeah. Uh, you know, I not like not kidding. That that happened on my old machine. Well, mostly because of the uncompressed files that I recorded on. But I, uh-huh. I filled a like five hundred gig. Uh, uh, side drive on all podcasts and i went wow that's a that's a shitload of talking you did alex yeah. so uh can i ask you some technical questions about yeah, your podcast so yeah. like how do you uh how are you hosting it where are you keeping your podcast files online uh well i have a friend that has a server that he lets me use so that i have a i i cheated so um, he's not complaining yet no, and at the height of the popularity of this show, um, there was some talk of maybe I should start giving him some money, but he has like a ridiculously good deal with mm-hmm. the place that services his, his server um, that, you know, it's it's kind of cool. But uh, from, from what I understand, there's a lot of um, kind of media-based servers that are super cheap nowadays. Like back when I started, I started on this uh, – on, uh, Potomatic. I don't even know if they're still around anymore, but I mean, you know, this is a million years ago. Uh-huh. And um, after a few months in, I had gotten well past what I can host for free, and I was getting to the point that I was having to pay like I don't know, like eighty bucks a month or something Holy to do crap. the show because it it got I got inexplicably popular when this show started. I don't know why. Probably because there was eight podcasts back then, and for some reason Australia loved me. I was huge in Australia for a while. I don't know why, but um, yeah. So I, I got huge, and I started having to pay for it, and it was really expensive back then. But my friends that have popular shows now tell me. That pretty much any given server, uh, it's pretty cheap, you know, wow. even if you get popular. And a lot of them are free. I'm just putting all of mine on S3, on Amazon S3. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, it, yeah, there's that's the Amazon one, if that's the name of it. Yeah, that's okay. I, th- I, people have recommended that. And apparently uh, archive.org, there's a way to do it there. And yeah. I think there's a free SoundCloud version. So there's, yeah, you're doing it right. If that's, cool, yeah. cool. I mean, I'm just sort of putting everything together myself with my amazing techno wizardry i i do that and then i just run a this is just simple uh uh wordpress website and uh-huh. then with uh blueberry has like a little plug-in that you just basically copy paste your file address uh-huh. it, that'll put the the player on every episode as you do you know sort right, of the episodic cool. and then i uh, build an rss feed straight out of there really easily but you're more techie than i am so you'd probably be able to figure out a way to do this but yeah i feel yeah. like we've got everything figured out so far yeah. it, it's uh well, cool. Well, thanks. That's good. That's good feedback. Yeah. Um, right. Wait, let's go to back to Mason's because I, okay, I Mason's. literally I, there's three people in my head right now that I can hear screaming because I always let shit go. And then people tell me later, why did you not follow up on that? I'm like, I don't well, know, follow up on it. Yeah, let's talk like, about the Freemasons. What right, do you want to so, know? What do you want to know? All right. First, are you Scottish right or the other one? All right. That's that's a question that's leaping ahead just a little bit uh, because I'm both. Oh, I didn't know that was possible. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Freemasonry, like, uh, first of all, we should, Freemasonry is different the whole world over. Like, every country has a different yeah. way of doing Freemasonry. Even in the United States, different states have different ways of doing Freemasonry. Um, and in Oregon, 
which is probably like the majority of the United States. In fact, I'm, I know it's like the majority of the United States. We have what's called uh, Blue Lodge, which is the first three degrees of Freemasonry. That's the Entered Apprentice, Fellow Craft, and Master Mason. And you're considered a full-on Mason once you become a Master Mason, third degree. Uh, and depending on which lodge you're in, that can take anywhere from two months to three years to get to. Oh, wow. Uh, after you become a master mason, then you can join what we call appendant orders or appendant bodies. And that includes the York Rite, uh, the Scottish Rite, the Shriners, some other ones. That, there's a, there's tons. There's zillions of them. There's yeah. a lot. I'm, I'm going to use that word zillions a lot. That's going to... Oh, that's it's acceptable okay, cool. for I, I, cool. I will not correct you. Across yeah. the multiverse, there are... Countless. Well, I've already orders. I've already expressed my uh, my hatred of math earlier, so oh. feel free. I mean, uh, I'm a, a I'm a big fan of math. I yeah. I just uh, am really bad at it. Yeah, uh, or halfway bad at it. See, I'm really bad at it. It's not that I hate it. It's just I why would I just don't even go there. Just that's <laughs> that's on the left. I'm somewhere else. Just yeah, you have fun being all mathy. I just all I'm right, not cool. Uh, yeah, so um, I became a Mason in in 2000, 17 years ago. All right, and um, I joined the York Rite right away. The York Rite has a degree in it called the Royal Arch, the Holy Royal Arch, which is a really, really old degree. Um, I think it's probably the most esoteric of of the Masonic degrees. It's got it's it's like super Kabbalistic, like it's steeped in in Kabbalistic symbolism, uh, and it's it's super amazing. Um, yeah. In fact, I kind of. Uh, recently, I've been sort of working on, and th- this is this is not a theory that should in any way be considered factual or well thought out or anything like that. But I think that there's an element in the Royal Arch degree that's based on the uh, chemical wedding of Christian Rosenkreutz. Uh, yeah, the, um, it follows the same structure. Uh, Milo Duquette, uh, who I'm a huge fan of. I don't know how familiar with him, but he, I know him. He's a buddy of mine. Oh, okay, yeah. He he talks about that in one of his videos when he talks about the. Oh, really? When he talks about well, he talks about the the, the um Holy Cross, the uh, Rosicrucians. Oh yeah. Um, but he breaks it down and he references as 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 uh, uh you know fraternal orders. He makes reference mm-hmm. to. So I, I assume that's kind of the same framework. I basically yeah. think they're all the same fucking thing. I just knew there was a big schism that one is. You oh know, no, this, yeah. they're oh, no. they're not really all the same thing. You know, the the Rosicrucians started out as fictional. No, I don't mean the same. I, I'm sorry. What I mean is, um, the uh, they're, they're all um, forget it. My that would be way too complicated. Ooh, ooh, everything turned blue. What's going on over there? Um, we just. Oh, I don't know what happened. Did we lose the internet? No, everything's fine. I don't know what just went there, but we... we're good and the recording's perfect. I don't. Okay. Oh crap! Big brother. No, you know, I I, uh, I don't care. So okay, okay, sorry. All right. um, so ig- ignore that statement that they're all the same. Okay, that was a way too overly complicated thing that I tried to simplify and failed miserably. Right, right. Yeah. So I mean, they are they are all the same in the sense that they're all secret societies and fraternal orders, yeah. right? Like that that thing is definitely the same. Um. Uh, I I mean, maybe we should let's let's forget. I even mention. The Rosicrucians. Let's go. Let's go back to. Wait, no. Music. I mentioned the Rosicrucians. I know. I did too. Well, but I started with them. Okay. Well, then you. Okay. Well, then you go because I thought I did. So then you talk. <laughs> I did. I didn't want to side. I didn't want to. Do, uh, uh, yes. Words. Okay. I mean, we could always, you know, fight this out. Uh, yes. Rapiers at dawn. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. I. <laughs> um. So. So the, anyhow. The, so I joined the the York Rite. Um. Became like really enamored with the Royal Arch degree. Uh, I still am. 
but uh, the problem is in Oregon, the York right is pretty much dead. It's it's a bunch of like really old guys who are very very conservative. Uh, they tend to be really really Christian, and they're not really interested in what um, younger people by younger I mean people under fifty yeah want out of Freemasonry. Uh, so I joined the Scottish Rite, and in Portland, the Scottish Rite is amazing. It's uh, we've got that huge building downtown on Fifteenth and Yamhill. Yeah, that's that's the 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 Portland one that anybody yeah. in town's familiar with. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, it's like right, right on the Max line. Oh yeah, right? yeah. You, you 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 Max buy it all the time yeah. if you go in the in that direction, and it's it, it's amazing. It's the, it's a, a great group of guys. Um, it's very active. Uh, the Scottish Rite is really kind of like an acting club for Freemasons. Like we have a set of, de- we call them degrees, but each degree is kind of like a, I want to say it's kind of like a morality play, but they're not always. They're they're sort of, sometimes they're kind of historical. Sometimes they teach about a specific religion. Sometimes they teach about uh, some sort of like esoteric or occult concept. Um and uh, and we basically have the set of scripts, and every month we put on one of these plays, and somebody directs, and we get a bunch of actors together, and we we wear costumes that are like a hundred years old, and we have a whole. If you go by the Scottish Rite building, if you are two blocks away, if you if you're to the south of it, you can see it really well, and you look at the building, you'll see sort of this big squarish cement hump that doesn't match the rest of the architecture. Up in that up in that cement hump are are stage drops. There are a hundred stage drops that are all about a a century old, maybe more than a century old. Um, it's one of the most complete sets in the United States, and all of the drops are sort of put together to form the scenes in these degrees. Yeah, uh, it's it's a pretty uh, incredible experience in that sense. So that I really like that. But aside from that, I'm the uh, immediate past master of Esoterica Lodge number 227, Ancient Free and Accepted Nations of Oregon. Okay, now here's here's where I, th- my confusion lies. Okay. I get us, which by the way, I'm going to, I may beg you for entry at some point. Um, <laughs> what, no, I've, I've wanted to join one of these for a long time. Let's, uh-huh. we, we, we may talk about this later. Um, but here's, the, I get why I would join. I get why you would join uh-huh. because of the thing. But historically every and when i say historically i mean like the past 20 years arbitrary number pulled out of my ass yeah the 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 refrain is well it's just a bunch of guys that either uh, do charity are there to meet each other it's a place to hang out that sort of kind of just uh, the the very much fraternal order uh, aspect instead of and i mean literally just brotherhood people hanging out while i'm more interested in the esoterica the the kabbalistic i mean there's a shitload of like hidden symbolism in, in everywhere you can see from the the public face of masonry but mm-hmm. it seems like everybody i've spoken to not everybody but most of the people i speak to tell me that the lodges are just old guys hanging out and there's not like well yeah. i mean that honestly changes from place to place and lodge to lodge um i would say that right now and i and i might be a little bit behind the times in, in saying this but like right now across the united states if you go to a random lodge like a random lodge in your rural hometown or a random lodge in a city You've got a 90% chance, maybe a 95% chance of coming across a lodge that is a bunch of old guys who just get together for like spaghetti dinners and playing bingo. Yeah. But uh, there is a really good revival going on in Freemasonry right now. So you get sort of a a smattering of lodges, mostly in big cities. In fact, 
probably maybe not all in big cities, but 99% in big cities, you get lodges that are, uh, that are trying to sort of revitalize the spiritual aspect of Freemasonry. So, you know, you were saying, you know, I mean, if you were interested in Freemasonry, like things that you got to be aware of is that like Freemasonry is very uh, Judeo-Christian. So even though we admit people of any faith that believes in a supreme being, if you come into Freemasonry and like the Bible makes your blood curdle or something, you're going to be super uncomfortable. It, there, there's definitely kind of a conservative aspect to Freemasonry, um, uh, religious-wise. Um, but there's also a really strong kind of spiritual religious aspect to it that is religious in the sense that it kind of pervades American culture. You know, uh, one of the jokes that you hear sort of bandied about these days when people are like, uh, you, you know, you, like the whole New World Order conspiracy theory. Yeah. Uh, Freemasons will be like, oh, the New World Order. We did that when we started America. America is the New World Order. Yeah. We, we already did that. Maybe kind of a failed experiment now. I mean, we just elected a Cheeto president and such, but... Yeah. Well, you know, that's 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 the Illuminati. That's the rival uh, company. But, the, <laughs> and that, but oh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how much you've been following what I've been up to the last couple of weeks, but I did just... I was out in Lincoln City uh, giving lectures about secret societies and fiction and, and such. And, oh, yeah. Uh, one of the secret societies I talked about was the Illuminati because they were real at one point. Yeah, Adam Weiss helped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, the, the the last name of my character in the novel I wrote is Weishaupt as a wink. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I I haven't read your novel yet. Yeah. I, I just came across you maybe like a month ago, and um, I've been meaning to read your novel. I don't have a Kindle. Um, well, have, it's available in, in book form, and I would happily give you a copy because I have extras. Do you have I, – I would take a, a physical copy oh, or, yeah, yeah. or an EPUB. Uh, no, I, well, if you'd like a, if you'd like a, a physical one, I have one and I'll gladly hand it to you because, uh, uh, a listener actually bought me copies of my own book. Oh, really? Yeah. I'll totally, <laughs> yeah. I'll read yeah. your book and review it for you and put it on websites and tweet about it. And yeah. Stuff. So that would be delightful. But anyway, sorry. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Wait, okay. uh, wait. So, so, uh, so Illuminati. Yeah. All right. So the Illuminati, like this is really fascinating. Um, all of the conspiracy theories that I've come across, uh, about the Illuminati are written by people who didn't have access, uh, to any of the Illuminati writings. Like all of the Illuminati papers, all the Illuminati stuff was confiscated by the Bavarian government in the 1780s, I think, or maybe 1790s, and published. It's all available. Yeah. It's all out there. English translations are just recently available. And if you get them, they're really interesting. Uh, okay, they're not really interesting. They're super nerdy and dry. One of the things you discover is that the Illuminati are far more boring than any conspiracy theory has yeah. them. <laughs> which is kind of disappointing but also kind of interesting because one of the things that you just that that you find out in reading this stuff is that at the time so the the Illuminati were founded in I think the traditional date is May 1st 1776 oh maybe we should toast to their birthday here's a oh, here's happy a, birthday a, Illuminati happy birthday Illuminati <laughs> yay um and they and so at the time Germany Freemasonry in Germany was fairly new and super occulty, like crazy occult stuff. They might have even invented like the concept of the the secret chiefs or the uh, 
ascended masters. I think that comes through Bavaria stroke Germany because that's I think that whole Blavatsky thing kind of bled through that. that sure. Whole, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But Blavatsky was, you know, 80 years later. Oh, yeah. No, but I'm saying like that's like the tradition she's drawing upon through the Bavarian oh, side. Right, like that's right. that's the uh, kind of the her her um, fake her fake uh, historical uh, uh, background that she was drawing upon. Oh, OK. Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess. That's Maybe that's my conspiracy about conspiracies. You know, I feel like I, she's complete bullshit. And I think she pulled like these kind of the like right now, I would if I was to write a story, I would go, well, I'll have the lead guy be from the burnt over <laughs> district in New York. And have his last name be Weishaupt. What oh, she yeah. said was the Ascended Masters. The blah, blah, yeah. yeah, right. right. OK, that makes sense. Yeah. So so sorry, but, I got way too geeky there. I apologize. No, no, audience. no. You can totally yeah, yeah. get <laughs> you can get geeky. You're not going to geek me. I yeah. Prom- oh, I wasn't. No, in the, fact, I will bet you that you can't out geek me I assu- in cult stuff i assume i assumed you would follow i just realized that that's a bad mistake for anybody listening because oh, i literally no. just I mean, referenced I know a conspiracy so much theme. stuff about the burned over district of <laughs> yeah. new york like i love yeah. that i love that period of time yeah. and well, I that's, love... that's where periphery takes place yeah. well oh, that yeah. time wise it's, it's modern but no it's just that one of those things awesome. where i just made a conspiracy theory about a conspiracy theory that probably no one's heard of either i went Oh, that's a double level better. Alex, you should stop doing that. That's like, uh, uh, you know, making, you know, it's it's like having opinions on the Heisenberg compensator in Star Trek. I mean, if you're not <laughs> careful, we're going to end up being the, the Foucault's Pendulum of Podcasts right now. Like, oh, yeah. Gonna... Oh, please. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that is, that is, that's the book that got me into conspiracy theory. Oh, man. I love Pendulum. that book yeah. with uh, Trace. Yeah. Or, or I guess it's probably Trey. I don't know. T-R-E-S. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. All right. So. The Illuminati at the end of the 18th century in in Germany, they were one of three um, uh, Masonic orders that was kind of like in charge of everything or, or trying to be in charge of everything. And the other two are great. One of them was the right of the right of strict observance, I think. And the other one was called the Golden Rosicrucians. No, no relation. Really? Well, I mean... The thing is, you know, like I said earlier, the Rosicrucians were fictional. You know, they didn't actually exist. Oh, see, I thought they were. I thought they were fictional after they were real. Like no, the, they, like the Illuminati thing. Eh. No, the the Illuminati were were real first and then fictional. The yeah, Rosicrucians I, were fictional first, and then later a bunch of orders started popping up that were like, "We're the real Rosicrucians." Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I did that backwards. I thought I thought it was a real one. Okay, got it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just fascinating that. Yeah, so so that's but you can there's a there's this great book that came out. Um, I cannot remember the name of it. I will I'll send you the title so that you can include uh include it in the show notes or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it was translated by a good buddy of mine who has since passed away, uh, Jeva Singh, who lived on the coast, and it's all of the Illuminati rituals that ever existed, and um. And then a really, really amazing, uh, like, historical introduction written by a guy named, I'm not going to pronounce his name right, I don't think, I don't know if he's American or German, Joseph Wagus, or maybe Joseph Vegas, yeah. <laughs> one or the other, or maybe some combination of those, um, about, like, sort of the historical context, like, when did the Illuminati exist, what were they doing, why were they so unpopular, uh, and anybody, anybody who's curious about the illuminati conspiracy theory stuff has got to get this and read it so that they've got some context about what everybody's freaking out about yeah there's a um and as much as your point is well made let me let me be a conspiracy person because i actually have heard this is that okay 
That's the first Illuminati. There's two. Oh, Did you know geez. that? Yeah, I'm not kidding. Is that the Bavarian Illuminati, the we- the Weishauptian one, was the original Illuminati. Uh-huh. And then they restarted, and that's the one, the Eye of the Pyramid, the big one now. And I think it goes some- something along the lines of America as the new Atlantis was the starting foundation thing. That's why all the <laughs> money came here, and that's why the Illuminati is based out of here, but through Europe. So there's three European heads. It's complete bullshit. It's just, again, I mean, you know, it's it's people need to invent something new when the old thing gets, you know, kind of... Yeah. Not disproven because you can't disprove a conspiracy, but yeah. yeah, yeah, you can't disprove the conspiracy. That's the thing. If you've got a conspiracy theory and there's no way to disprove, if you've got a theory, let's put it that way, and there's no way to disprove it, it's not a good theory. It's a bad theory. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I guess. Uh, I mean, I guess I sort of know that that's what people think. I don't know how that got started, and I don't know exactly what the fictional history is or the. Uh, let's let's assume that it's non-fictional i don't know what the presumed history is of the second illuminati i'd be really curious to learn about that yeah i i from what i looked into and, and i didn't do enough research because it's so muddied and it just it just reeked of bullshit that i didn't want to follow it just it's not that i don't have time it's just i don't want to spend a lot of time following every conspiracy trail that there is but the the overall view is essentially the original illuminati were that's the just enlightened thinker one and then the new illuminati is the term used for the one you know the the ones above the bilderberg group and the you know the (laughs) the the shape-changing reptilians and that it's they're the ones up there and they started you know yeah it's just it's a whole it's like one was the kind of the american revolution and past is the illuminati that we have now and that's not the bavarian one because that got broken yeah it's a whole well it's it's such a train wreck sandy hook didn't happen (laughs) it's one of those it's just sorry (laughs) but it's one of those not a cool conspiracy theory (laughs) (laughs) so let's let's uh uh take this back to the conversation we're having over your your recently departed moped Oh yes, yeah. with Robert Anton Wilson. You know, we were you were asking me um, if I preferred Robert Anton Wilson's fiction or his nonfiction, um, and we talked a little bit about the Illuminatus trilogy, which was published, I think, in like seventy six or seventy eight. Yeah, it's late seventies era. Yeah, yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. And uh, and one of the things that happens in that is, you know, he talks about the whole Adam Weishaupt thing. He like spins this whole Illuminati yarn. Yeah. Um, and. So it's obvious that the the Illuminati conspiracy theory was not only around but in full swing by the seventies. Uh, I that doesn't help clear up the mystery of where it came from or why yeah. it was there. But but one of the things I told you is that I prefer his fiction uh, with some caveats. I I think that his fiction is super well suited to. Uh, like people in their twenties who have just recently discovered hallucinogens, and I don't disagree with that. This is this is why. But I love his nonfiction for the basically this. If I had not read, and I'm glad you said Foucault's Pendulum. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't read that first, I think I would have liked Wilson's fiction a lot more. But oh. since it already did that, every conspiracy thing is true in a very silly way. And I had also read Douglas Adams and Pratchett before Robert Anton Wilson. So those combinations had kind of already covered the themes and tropes he was going to go through. Yeah. That by the time I got to him, I was like, oh, wow, wacky that everything's true. And like, it's already been done, but it's nonfiction. I thought was just, I don't know, it's just kind of beautiful. Like he wrote this in one of the quantum 
quantum trigger ones he talks about like dealing with the death of his daughter and it's i think it's some of the, uh-huh. like the best writing like around like just for anybody not just oh, for weird uh, it's so good so i i've only read a little bit of his nonfiction, um and i kind of gave up because i found it super repetitive uh and i don't think i ever read quantum trigger but i had it and i recently gave all of my robert anton wilson books to um to a friend of mine because i he he was he's really into occult stuff he's really into sort of like wacky things and in the midst of one of our conversations he revealed to me that he'd never read robert anton wilson and i was like what are you talking about so i just loaded oh, up uh, all my uh, robert anton wilson books and gave them to him yeah the uh the cosmic uh, trigger there's three of them and they're highly recommended and they're all super short yeah his nonfiction can be really repetitive but those don't really do that thing because he does that irish storyteller thing to the point and, and irish storyteller thing well he he idolizes james joyce uh-huh. which means that he talks for a really fucking long time about nothing and then circles back to talk about that nothing again from a slightly different view <laughs> oh, and i geez. just don't have patience for it i i i i i oh, i think it just said robert frost i meant james joyce if i said robert frost my bad you did not say robert frost what were you thinking about robert frost I, robert frost popped in my head and went oh shit did i say that out no, loud yeah, I, oh good okay i didn't uh but uh yeah james joyce i i, I just I have no time for i and I, I went to school for for writing like i i'm i'm well versed in it like i i know what i'm doing but boy that long meandering tale is just something that i just <laughs> it just reminds me of every every kind of somewhat drunk uncle i've sat next to at a table at any family party which is like oh you're That's still me. telling the story i'm i'm the drunk uncle <laughs> i i feel like i mean, we haven't spoken much but i feel like you are far more succinct than the drunk uncle robert hinton wilson nonfiction uh, style that i'm referencing well somewhere yeah. in the back of my head yeah. i have written on my palm actually we only have one hour so yeah. i'm trying to be succinct fair enough how, uh, yeah. how are we doing are we can well, can i ramble yet oh of course you can <laughs> uh, yeah no it's not like we're limited to an hour that's just the uh the arbitrary uh vaguely minimum point i put on right um though though i do want to get back to mason things okay okay mason okay, things so, yes because this is stuff that um yeah we don't want your listeners to yell at you yeah I, actually i'm picturing my brother because he's the one that always points out the shit that i forgot i'm like god damn it i should ask that okay, okay so okay. these are so you go in and i'm well familiar you know part of my hesitation of i have thought about joining a fraternal order like many times and part of my hesitation was the christian kind of aspect and i have nothing against I, well, I I grew up Catholic and I've gotten over it, so now I'm kind of okay with Christian stuff again. I mean, but, the Catholics hate Freemasonry. Yeah, which is kind of cool, and you know, but um, <laughs> this is kind of my the cards on the table. I'm there because I find kind of the occult's odd aspect of it is why I'd be showing up. Do, do they not find any kind of cognitive dissonance there? Like, I mean, they're they're presumably Christians that are going to a oh, thing geez. that has like you know what I'm saying like what's the What's the view of the kind of the normal Sunday churchgoer, you know? You know... I'm not asking you to speak for them, but, you know... I, I, I uh, cannot speak for them. Yeah. I have that same question. Honestly, like, in 17 years in Freemasonry, I have seen one of the most bizarre... So, so Freemasonry involves a lot of memorization. Like, the core of Masonry, um, which is which is a whole other podcast worth of stuff, is, is, is memorization. Like... Without memorization, there is no Freemasonry. Uh, one of the problems being uh, over the years, probably over the last 150, 200 years, the the form of memorization that encourages you to learn what you're memorizing while you memorize it has fallen out of favor. And now most Freemasons memorize things by rote. So just by repeating over and over until it sticks yeah. in your mind. 
So I have seen some of the most bizarre things ever. I have seen ultra conservative Christians who are Freemasons uh, get up during a Masonic degree and give lectures filled with occult terminology and symbolism that would horrify them if they knew what they were saying. Yeah, when you say give a lecture, what what do you mean? Like they're, they're... oh well, for, so Masonic degrees are sort of made up of different parts. You've got yeah. you've got sort of the part where there there's sort of an interaction. Um, uh, so in the Blue Lodge, that typically involves you know walking around the lodge and interacting with the various officers and stations in the lodge to learn lessons or have questions asked of you or things like that. Um, but then every degree across across every branch of Freemasonry involves. Uh, uh, we call them lectures, but basically it's it's sort of monologues which um, exemplify like symbolism or lessons or morality parts of the degree, which can be anywhere from, you know, like the golden rule to uh, to to historical anecdotes to uh, legendary anecdotes to um, to like occult meanings of symbols. Yeah. Sometimes bringing in really vast and and different varieties of things you know in the scottish right you end up talking about stuff like uh, zarathustra and the kabbalah and um uh like angel magic and like like really weird stuff gets brought in and and uh and the rote memorization thing where people memorize stuff without listening to what they're actually saying or learning or learning what they're saying uh puts puts you in some weird situations when you're actually sitting there going through the degree and you're, I mean, I've had experiences where I've been like watching a Methodist minister who's a, who's a, who's a brother, uh, repeat stuff where I'm just like, Oh my God, if he knew what he was saying, he would never. So there's, so there's basically like an instruction manual to put it loosely of like, I'm a Methodist minister. I want to go at my well 20th degree or whatever. Yeah. I could, I could pull from a book saying, um, the Sephiroth is part of the tree of life, the tree of life, like, yeah, and, yeah. and I could sit there and I would recite these things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I would have to, I wouldn't have to put thought into it. I would just, it's, it's, it's part of getting this degree mm-hmm. says you read this thing out loud or you pick from a list of things. You don't read it. Out. It's, it's in your memory. You memorize it. But where did, where does the memorization, where, who's giving you that? The Methodist minister is, has memorized it. No, but where does he memorize it from? Um, there are two methods. Yeah. There are three methods. Uh, the first you learn from another person. So it's mouth to ear. Okay. Uh, the second, uh, you learn from another person using a cipher, which is, uh, encoded text that, that you can only read if you memorize it first. Um, and the third is a lot of our rituals and, um, lectures in particular are actually written out, but in any case, it's, it's done from memory. We don't, okay. I mean, as Freemasonry falters and becomes less populated and less popular, there are places that do it from a book. But but yeah. good Freemasonry happens from memory, and you you do see a lot of. A so it's lot not, of, but it's not a book report. It's literally just a rec- It's a recitation from yeah. from a thing. No matter where you got it from, you're just reciting. Right. It's Much like, like um, it's like mass. Yeah, I was about to say, Our Father art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The kingdom come, thy will be gone on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Okay, so. Yeah, so you, you know it all. I don't, but, but I never thought about those words. When you they recite it, you don't, you don't think about what exactly. it actually so means, it's, right? Now, it's the if same you, concept, except, yeah. Exactly. So so you, you do see a lot of, like, really interesting stuff like that. There's a ton of great esoteric and occult content in Freemasonry. However, if you're way into occult stuff and want to join a fraternal order, why haven't you looked at the OTO? 
because I hate the stupid naked lady altar. I think that's dumb as fuck in 1970s. But the that's not normal OTO. That's the uh, the one in town. It, I thought they did the stupid naked altar. You're talking about the 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 Gnostic church thing. Yeah, the one over on Stark. Oh, oh, is there like a proper like old school OTO? Like, there's another one. Well, no, no, no. There, oh. There's two different branches. Yeah, right? yeah. You're, you're talking about the OTO, which is the fraternal order part. Yeah. And then the Gnost, then the the Gnost, Gnostic church thing. Yeah. Which has the naked lady altar. I yeah. think I personally am not super familiar with it, but I am going to be giving a talk there. Yeah. Uh, on June third, called the magical memory. It's going to be all about like the art of memory and that sort of stuff. Oh, that's cool. Um, but uh, you, maybe you should check them out. I mean, there's nothing wrong with naked ladies. No, I've got no problem with that. It's just the cheesy level of it. It's just like, oh man, it seems that, like I hate Anton Lavey so much for the like. <laughs> I'm not a Christian, so I'm going to do opposite Christian stuff. It's like a like a toddler waving his yeah, feet in the air. Okay, I mean, I can understand that that objection, but like every fraternal order is full of cheesy stuff. But I mean, I, it but is, it's old cheesy stuff. So I'm is. kind of okay with it. <laughs> but you use the Thoth tarot deck. No, because it's not, no, it's actually being in person. It's just like, there is this, like, <laughs> just the actual, because the thing is, and this is, this is a, a I mean, a, 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 basically the fundamental problem with why I'm not successful in any part of my life is that I. What are you talking about? You've got a great basement. I do have a great basement. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I really, really don't like ceremonial stuff all that much. I don't like mm. belonging to things. And yet ah. I really find it really interesting and kind of want to. Mm-hmm. This is why, like, I've, I've been, like, I, like, when I found chaos magic, I was like, finally a system for me. And then I met other chaos magicians. was like, oh, you're just following different rules. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever... <laughs> so it's... I've, I've always been uh, torn down the, uh, like, that old, like, I don't want to be in a club that would have me as a member thing. And right. as I get older, I'm, like, less bristled at it. But, like, there's so certain kind of things and like any kind of like ostentatious display of like you know the the naked lady altar things is like oh and that's more the love but it's just like Ugh. yeah well, yeah all right i guess i i kind of I, I understand where you're coming from that that makes sense uh i would say maybe you're not a joiner <laughs> yeah well, but that's why like but the thing is it, joining old stuff that's why the kind of the masonic uh-huh. or like something that's like more established i like i can kind of get my head around because it's like well they've been doing this for a really long time right so i'm fine but naked lady altar feels like 1978 like it's like oh yeah but you know it's older than that no no totally yeah, but it feels right. like we're uh, gonna have a key party afterwards like it just, <laughs> it's and, and it's probably by association it's, i think it's a lot of the the thelemites that i've met uh-huh. they're all just kind of slightly pervy and you know yeah not, well, i, I, I guess, don't mean all of them i mean just really the ones i've met i've had, I, you know yeah. they they definitely i think they they enable that they yeah. definitely enable the slightly pervy uh part of the occult um that's hard to argue with <laughs> yeah which is fine like i like i'm actually like i dig that in a certain way like like but don't like there's a difference between you know jerking off on a sigil to power it and some weirdo guy hitting on me at a bar while telling about Thelema, where it's like, you're, uh, you're what's, just, what's the difference? Well, one is <laughs> like just kind of weird and creepy and you're just trying to get fucked. And the other one is like, I feel like you're actually like performing something and you're, you know, like, I just, I think it's just, I'd rather not have, I'd rather not get your, your, your feeling sexy and my <laughs> wanting to have a religious or spiritual <laughs> experience. Like I just, you know, I it, feel like 
All right. I, or at I, least do it better. Don't 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 get drunk at a bar and try to take me home because we we're talking about Philema. And this is happening. Yeah. I'm not kidding. This is like I I think I've been picked up on seven times in my life. Six of them were Thelemites after a conversation. And I talk about this a lot. So. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, you know, like seven is a is a very magical number, right? Yeah. Well, I picked it, I picked it for a reason. Again, you know, I'm not telling the real name of the people in the stories, and I'm sure that's not the right number, but... Right, yeah. right. Well, I mean, seven is easy. You, yeah. you just name them after the dwarves, and you're, you're set. Yeah. And again, a parable for group sex, which again, I'm right, just not sure. into. But all right, sorry, we, we went sideways. No, no, that, that that makes sense. You know, I, I, I felt like arguing with you just to be argumentative, um, but I have the same kind of feelings about the OTO sometimes. It, it has never felt very comfortable to me. I'm not a super big fan of Aleister Crowley. I've you know, we're in the episode really quick. I'm not either. I just really like his tarot deck. Well, I mean, the <laughs> reason one of the reasons I've never picked up and used his tarot deck is because I'm not a super big fan of of him. Yeah. Um, even Golden Dawn stuff, like I, uh, you know, even though I claim I, I said at the beginning of, the, of this episode that I I feel like I'm a ceremonial magician, I don't. I've really strayed away from the Golden Dawn stuff and done like other weird, different things now, and. Um, uh, yeah, Alistair Crowley is kind of creepy. Yeah, I get what he did, and I and I like it in concept, but I think it kind of again, like I like the like the Thelema stuff. I like the idea of you know man as temple. I I like that idea, but when when it but in, it's not in it's pra- not original to them. But 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 just going with that in practice, it just comes off as a little like kind of swinger party nineteen seventies. <laughs> Crowley did that same thing where it's like I love the idea of him becoming and there's 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 Hindu uh, belief behind this as well. There's the Hindu mm-hmm. sects that do this where you become so sinful to become holy, like you know debase yourself so thoroughly to come out the other. And uh, was, right, right, that's yeah. a super old idea that 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 stretches back yeah. ages to to like Gnosticism and sort and, of the the yeah. concept of. Um, the worse, the the more you sin, the more redemption you can get. Yeah, and and Crowley, I think, was playing with it. That's why he wanted to like any you know this is that early kind of I think what Levey did, but in a very pop culture thing of like you know him doing being the beast in six six six. Crowley was just being I'm the opposite. I'm trying to break the paradigm. I'm ushering in the new aeon. You know, and and I just think after a while he started buying his own shit and just became a creepy weirdo guy that was banging people next to Loch Ness instead of being the actual like the Messiah or a harbinger of a new age. It just became a creepy weirdo and it's yeah and i don't really like and his writing is kind of shit and people keep telling me how great it is and i'm sure i'm not getting something i mean you know <laughs> everybody has different opinions on right i i'm not a, i i've i've read probably the only crowley book that i use regularly is 777 mm-hmm. um so i can't really speak as to the quality of his writing but you know as we've learned earlier this evening everybody has different opinions on the quality of writers you know like yeah uh, well, th- like Robert Anton Wilson, we were just arguing about. But I would, but I, I let me make a distinction. Robert Anton Wilson, I would say, is a fine writer. Uh huh. I just don't. It does not my. It's not my style. It's not like it doesn't speak to me in that way. And I right, think it's right. kind of. I just like his nonfiction a lot better. I think it's more elegant. Crowley actually think is actively not good at it. Like he's trying to be so. <laughs> he's tries. He gets lost in the flourish. That the point. Gets I mean, lost. have you yeah. read very much Victorian writing? Oh no, totally no. They're all like that. I know, but that's why I don't read Victorian writing. And also why, you know, some but, asshole at Hot Topic tells me how much they like Crowley's writing. He's like, yeah, do you really? Or dude, do you just hear that name? Why are you shopping at Hot Topic? Well, I'm not. I just couldn't think of another way to run into some asshole that would be reading Crowley. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I couldn't you go. Just, you just go out in Portland and you yeah, find some guy wearing black 
uh, and he's probably read yeah. Crowley. Inexplicably I mean, a Decrodomicon you know, ring. <laughs> you're, you're wearing black. Yeah. You've read Crowley. That's true. I would probably be like, hey, you've read Crowley. And you'd say like, yeah, how did, have you read Crowley? You're wearing a blue shirt. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, that's, I mean, I can see that you've got some really strong opinions about Crowley. Uh, I also have strong opinions about Crowley. But I feel like my opinions about him are kind of uninformed. I, You know, um, probably, you know, one of the books of his that I really should read, even though I haven't gotten around to it, is um, book four, Magic and Theory and Practice. Like yeah. his, his really big, important ceremonial magic book, um, which I've never really taken the time to read. And I, at this point, I really don't know if I ever will. I see it and it's a super attractive looking book. You know, it's, it's, it's thick, it's hard bound. It's looks like it's got a lot of stuff in it. It, and I suspect that I will never own a copy nor crack the cover. Well, those are the ones that that's the, those are kind of the ones I'm referencing that I don't like his work. Like the book of lies is fine. It's, you know, cute and short, but like the ones where he goes into his magical theory, he's overly complicated. And, and he's one of those people that they always say like, Oh, well, he's doing it on purpose. He's, he's being, he's obfuscating a purpose to try to hide it. And it's like, well, so you're hiding your meaning. You're also an overly flourishing writer. And then it's one of those people that says, well, people don't know when he's joking or it's like, right. No, that's what you say when someone's not funny. And it's like, oh, I, okay. I see what's going on now. Damn it, people say that about me all the time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but, uh, well, well I, that, that, that makes sense. But, but also, you know, um, when you practice the stuff for long enough and you start to see things that you really, really want to explain to other people and you suddenly like find yourself unable to make words to explain it, you do get long winded and you do get, yeah. uh, you do get obtuse and difficult to, um, understand, you know, I mean, I had this experience just last night. Uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to tell a story. Yeah, please. All right. So last night I went to Gresham Masonic Lodge, which is currently in Troutdale. They they sold their building a few years ago, so they meet in Troutdale. It's a great lodge. Young brothers, all in, uh, most of them interested in like really interested, uh, really strange esoteric topics. And um, when they invited me to come and speak, I I was like, all right, what do you want me to talk about? And the organizer was like, get as weird as you want. Like talk about the weirdest shit you can come up. He didn't say shit. He he was you know, proper and yeah. stuff. It's like, come up, you know, talk about the weirdest shit you can come up with. You're not going to scare anybody. And I was like, all right, I've got this idea. It has to do with the art of memory. It has to do with, uh, neoplatonism and, uh, images and like, uh, Culliano's phantasm theory and like all of this sort of crap. I'm going to call it Masonic memory and the gift of creation. He's like, great, do it. It sounds amazing. Come and weird us out. So I revisited a lot of old talks that I'd given. I, I revisited a lot of like really strange books in my library, uh, started putting all this stuff together. And, and honestly, a lot of it I ended up doing right at the last minute where like, you know, the two days before I was like, okay, I, you know, I got the outline together. I got all my notes. And, um, when I was standing up there in front of the lodge talking about this stuff, I suddenly realized that there were concepts that I wanted to explain that I had no idea how to talk about. You just yeah. sort of go along and you're sort of explaining, you know, like the difference between the modern rational mind and like the 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 mind of like Renaissance neoplatonists or, or trying to trying to even like comprehend it as you're talking about it. And then all of a sudden sort of running into a block where you're like, oh, God, I don't even know the words. I don't know how to explain this to a room full of people. 
Um, and a lot of these concepts are so foreign to us as, you know, modern humans who live in the modern world that uh, you can get super, super long winded and still not even come close to trying to, to conveying your meaning. Um, but I can't believe I'm saying all of this to defend Aleister Crowley. Is this, this well, is, this is what my life has come to. No, but here's 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 where let me just here's the, my rebuttal. Let me tell okay, your okay. story as if I was Aleister Crowley. Okay. I'm not going to do the language, but this would be the way he told the story. So uh, because I am such a wonderful thing and I was brought forth on this day by this. And of course, this by this is this in the horoscope of this by this and this and this. Therefore, this man from this lodge, which once was here and now is here by that, I mean this because the and then he would spend four pages describing the car he's about to get into every road he went down, the meaning of the road, but then saying, no, 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 but those roads don't have meaning. So I went a different route because the old route was the one that I would have gone to, but that's the way people used to go for. I'm the new Aeon and we would have been 30 pages in before he even found out he's going to the Masonic Lodge. If you oh, were telling that story. I mean, I guess I probably should have told the part of my story where I took like the bus out to Gresham Transit <laughs> yes. Center. And then did you know that TriMet has short buses? That's what, yes. No, no, I didn't, but. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's so, yeah, there was a, there was a trek to get out there and stuff. But. So that's how, that's, yeah. So you didn't tell the Crowley story. And he, and if he, if it was a bus, forget about the numbering on the front of the bus. <laughs> oh, geez. I didn't even write that down. Yeah. Oh, I'm a horrible storyteller. <laughs> exactly. You mean, you told the story efficiently. It got to the point. Yeah. yeah. How dare you? <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a, it's a rotten world out there. <laughs> that, uh, um, the, the, um, oh, so oh, you don't know. Wait, let's, do we, we should probably. See if you have more questions about Freemasonry. Like, yeah, that's that's what I was going to go back to because my only other question was uh, one that you're not going to know because it was about the Thoth. Because, you know, he, he changed the order of the major arcana. And the oh, Thoth. right. Strength yeah. and... Yeah, it's just... A, I've never quite... Because the reason I asked uh, is because... What was the other one? Strength and... It's the sixth card because... Or, or no. No, it was like... It was like eight and 13. No, not the hangman. It was... I forget, but it, it doesn't matter. But I mean, it does matter. But the, the, the reason I ask is his explanation is, although actually somewhat make makes sense. And then uh, Milo uh, uh, Ducat, he, he um, Ducat, Ducat's from DS9. Um, he describes it really well in a video. And he talks about like how it's actually to do with like the rotation of planets and this whole deep thing. Right. And, and then I got so deep into it, I went, uh, I don't understand it anymore. But I, it doesn't matter. Okay, so back to Masons. You, we were talking about Masons, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Did Don't you get your tongue cut out now? Didn't you make a promise? I haven't revealed any secrets. Oh, so but so what secrets are there? No, don't reveal the secret, well, but me, what secrets are you. there? Uh, so, so in Oregon, we, yeah. we follow what we call uh, a set of Masonic landmarks. Yeah. Um, and in up in the 20, there, there are 25 of them, I think, in Oregon. And up in the 20s, I think like number 22 or number 23, is Freemasonry is a secret society with secrets that cannot be revealed. Oh, clever. Okay. Um, and uh, we usually take that to me. So, so I haven't told you any words. I haven't told you any uh, verbatim ritual or lecture. Um, I haven't revealed anything to you that you couldn't find out just by thinking about it or yeah. uh i mean you know the fact that the scottish right has stuff about kabbalah and um religion and, and stuff like that like that's that's not a secret that's all in in uh, morals and dogma the yeah. um you can you can buy that 
ponderous tome and read it if you'd like and uh and come to your own conclusions about that stuff it's it's mostly plagiarized but um so there's nothing like i i haven't actually revealed any secrets yeah, well, I do like that that whole thing of, you know, it, that's what I like about the initiatory con- concept of the, there's no secrets you can reveal where right. it's one of those things where it's like, well, you could tell me, um, not to keep talking about this, but so so the idea behind Periphery, the book I wrote, is that uh-huh. literally I give the book away. I literally, I tell you everything you need to know. Oh, yeah. It's, but in like the first couple chapters, you have zero fucking chance of that happening. Uh-huh. However, if you go back around and read the book, it's now that, you know, again, that now that you have the eyes to see. You go, oh motherfucker! Like, oh, you, you, you literally, yeah, like, yeah, I did. Right. I, but, like, saying, you know, it's no secret that can be, re- like, yeah, I couldn't reveal the secrets. You haven't done yeah. the things to make that mean anything or that have, you know, carry any weight or to understand it. You know? Yeah, exactly. You're the, actually the first person I've recited that to that has got it first time around. Yeah. yeah. Well, that I mean, that makes sense to me because again, I've, I've this whole initiatory pro- I like I love the idea of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I just I've never joined anything cuz joining makes me feel weird and I you know just never show up to stuff. That's my number 2. Do you are oh. there times when you don't feel weird? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean I'm sure at some point. <laughs> yeah, well I mean take note of those and see what it's about. It's usually just you know drunk maybe <laughs> well i mean we we still have a couple beers oh that's true yeah maybe I, i'm i'm gonna drink myself into normalcy <laughs> <laughs> welcome to portland <laughs> yeah uh all right so you're not gonna get your tongue chopped out which is nice no is there a no how does one ask this you could do just... you think no no it's again it's it, this is this is wording things less uh-huh. than not i i I have, I have no fear of asking yourself because you know it's not like you're you know, he didn't take a sacred oath to answer me. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, that's the is that's there, the 18th degree. Yeah. Well, that okay. This like, is you the cannot answer thing. questions of a man named Alex. So the the um, well, but technically, my name is only spelled with one X. So you're allowed to. We've got two X's Lu- in the ritual. Two X. Yeah. So, but technically, my name's with one. So you're allowed to answer. Oh, great. All right. Yeah. Let's hear it. Loophole. Let's hear the question. All right. So the degree thing. Uh, let me tell you what what the outside world thinks of Masons is that okay. there is a thing called the thirty third degree, and that's the one where all the secrets are revealed. That's where the lizard mask comes off, and it turns out you're all shape changing aliens. Like thirty third degree is the big. That's the the blah blah blah. I mean, obviously, you know, look, we're, but that's 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 the conspiracy theorists. That's the people that think ancient aliens, the TV show, is a legitimate thing. Like thirty third. So. Um, is there something that happens at the terminus of of the degree system that would you know is there is there any knowledge there that like right now you wouldn't know I'm assuming you're not at the end because you're young. Uh I would like to answer this question but can we can we take a break first so that I can Oh yeah yeah. All right. Okay. We're going to take a break for a second. Hey cool. We restarted. Magic of hitting the pause button. Yes. Yeah, so, so 33rd degree. Um, or a terminus degree, whatever, because isn't the other one supposed to be another thing and yada yada? Uh, oh, oh, right, right. The Master Mason degree is the end of the Blue Lodge. Um, well, I thought, th- wasn't there like, the, I th- okay, again, here, uh, here's the idiot version that I remember reading when I was a kid and reading okay. conspiracy theories that I thought Scottish, the Scottish raid was like a five degree thing or like a five level thing. And that was like kind of the top. Uh, four levels. Four levels. And that right. was the top. And that's all you can go. And then the, the 33rd is the other one that, yeah. It's a vast and strange world out there in Freemasonry, and there's actually, um, there are other rites, like the Rite of uh, Memphis Mizrim, which has, oh, no, shit, I, I can't remember the exact number, but it, I think it goes up to 99 degrees. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, in Oregon, in, in my grand, in the, in the branch of Freemasonry I'm part of, 
uh, the Scottish Rite does go up to 33 degrees. Um, but the 33rd degree is mostly honorary. Like it's, uh, you only get the 33rd degree after you've been a Scottish Rite Mason for a lo- for probably at least a decade. And you've, you know, devoted a good chunk of time, like volunteering and working on stuff and working on degrees and like helping out around the building. And I mean, it's, it's super mundane in that aspect in terms of like 33rd degree Masons controlling the world. I would be blown away if that was the case. Cause <laughs> I know, I know in Portland, a lot of 33rd degree Masons, they are not world controlling types, nor are they types who are interested in controlling the world. They're barely interested in controlling the Scottish Rite. <laughs> so, I mean, it's the sort of thing where, like, conspiracy theorists would rest really easy if they just joined. Yeah. Or or at least, like, well, came, came to one of our public dinners and met us. Well, let me, well, please let me respond with the conspiracy theory answer in which, well, most of the Freemasons are the people that are lower down and they don't even know what's going on in the upper levels. Oh, geez, I know. I mean, like, the colostomy bags and the... <laughs> And the spaghetti dinner. Are, so, are you? What are, are you? Is this rude to ask? What level are you? Um, in the Scottish Rite, I'm 32nd degree. Oh, so you're 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 done. Except you haven't been there long enough. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I I'm not really interested in in uh, the other thing is like, so past the 32nd degree. Uh, so the 32nd degree Scottish Rite Mason wears a black hat, like those little bellboy caps. You get the black cap. Oh, okay, that's fun. Um, uh, past that, there's the uh. Knight Commander of the Court of Honor, KCCH, and they wear a red cap. Um, and you, and you know, I I suppose you get they run Unix. <laughs> yeah, computer joke. <laughs> Ouch. Um, and they uh, they usually have have uh, served pretty seriously at a Scottish Rite Valley. A valley is sort of the equivalent of a lodge um, for I don't know five to ten years. I'm not really sure what the time limit is. Um, and then beyond that, you get a white cap, uh, which is a 33rd degree. I mean, in the United States, uh, we've got two different Scottish rights. You've got the northern jurisdiction and the southern jurisdiction. And in the southern jurisdiction, you have 33 active Scottish right, uh, 33rd. Jesus, let me rewind a little bit and say this again. You have 33 33rd degree Masons who are kind of like the Congress or the Senate that oversees all of the Scottish right jurisdictions. So their whole thing, their whole responsibility is just that they uh, take care of the administration of the Scottish right. They vote on stuff and they vote on rules changes. And like the, 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 one of the, one of the super annoying, not so secret secrets about Freemasonry is that we are basically the bastion of, bureaucracy freemasons love bureaucracy we were inundated with it from the from the blue lodge level up through the scottish right through the york right through everything we are awash in bureaucracy rules and rules and rules we've got code books and bylaws and paperwork to fill out and all this sort of stuff like there's no room for a 33rd degree mason to take part in controlling the world they do not have time yeah this is, and this is one of the sad, there is no Santa Claus moments in my young years when I was just getting into conspiracy theories. Oh, but there is a Santa Claus. 
Well, I mean, <laughs> it's Odin. Odin is Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah, Woden or Sintra Klaus or, 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 or actually Saint Nicholas, a patron saint of prostitutes. Uh, oh yeah, about. I mean, if, um, I mean, in Portland, it's great for that. But I, uh, I, I, I was learning, you know, as a as a little little teenager, like, oh, I'm going to learn the secrets of things, and I'm going to find out of the Masons and the Illuminati and all this, all this crazy shit, and um, I found a uh, at a used bookstore a book of uh, Masonic. Uh, bullshit i don't remember exactly what it was, was it like ritual or something or was no, it, it like wasn't duncan's ritual. or it was if it, 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 it was just boring stuff so i, I there was nothing cool in it i don't oh, know so if it was you, like a manual of the lodge or uh, yeah something. it's, it's something like, along this the, is how you do the administration that of that that style thing yeah. I, I mean this is this is going back 20 years but i remember flipping through i'm like Oh, and I'd always heard that what it was is just, you know, basically just a bunch of old guys like, you know, doing charity and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And going through it, I went, this is, this is like, this is not proof, but it just cemented that like, yeah, there's no (laughs) sexy, cool running the world. But I mean, I I, I still leave my, I leave, I leave it open that here's the thing. A lot of the founding fathers, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's true. But but you have to. Yeah, then, in that case, you have to start understanding. Years ago. You have to understand. Uh, you have to understand Freemasonry historically in the context of the time that it existed. You know, I mean, um, in the late 1700s, the a huge number of the founding fathers fathers were Freemasons because that's how you got your social kicks. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and you know, by the by the 19th century, by the by the 19 or the, by the 1820s, you had like the 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 Henry Morgan affair, where where Henry Morgan was was that his name, Captain Morgan? I don't remember his first name. He was a captain, Captain Morgan. I think Morgan. it was Henry. It's one of those really white names. I think it's Henry. But he was super yeah. white. Yeah. Um, he was murdered by Freemasons because by that time, uh, a local government in in upstate New York was so corrupt that. Uh, all of the corrupt local officials belong to Masonic lodges and sort of like met there and they were just sort of buddies. Um, we, we want to ascribe conspiracy theories to that stuff, but we already, we kind of see, we sort of see that sort of thing happen all the time. Like people want to say that they're, that these are sort of planned conspiracies when we forget that it doesn't matter what your social class or economic class is you're still you're you're just sort of looking out for your friends or or yeah you know if you want to do business you want to do business with people you trust and that's usually going to be buddies of yours no matter the social class yeah it's it's one of these things where uh somebody brought it to me a long time ago that the um if you if you had the conspiracy of the shield these people that could walk the streets and kill people indiscriminately they <laughs> rarely go to jail for it like if you wanted to romanticize being a cop right now and uh-huh. call it a conspiracy it fits every single hallmark of oh. the most fanciful conspiracy theories absolutely. out there absolutely but since it's kind of a little bit more on the you know they're a little bit more transparent with their awful we don't you know we don't really call it a conspiracy but it is a conspiracy it's Jeez, I mean, what yeah. about the what about the conspiracy theory of the school board you know i mean like every single group of people if you work together you become friends together you trust each other for business connections and for connections of any sort like it happens throughout society uh it's it's endemic ubiquitous all of those gigantic words that have three syllables yeah Stopping so sesquipedalian. It's my favorite word. <laughs> I mean, you mumbled that super well. That was... Yeah. No, no, it's sesquipedalian. I, I know that. It's what does it mean? What does it mean? It's overuse of long words when smaller would suffice, uh, which right, makes me really right. happy because you're doing it while you say it. Ah, uh, crap. Well, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. 
<laughs> it's up there. And it, uh, uh, one of my favorite hypothetical words is hapopopopdemonstrosesquipedalophobia. That's the fear of long words. Ah, well, Wonderful. I've probably said that on the show about 15 times. Can <laughs> you say it? Can you say it again? Hapopopopdemonstrosesquipedalophobia. Uh, Hapapopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopop
and gave the information that the former lacked scrotum and testicles. As to Claudine Fillet, she knew how to avoid the piercing pain of such intercourse by a rotary movement she often performed in order to introduce that erect mass which no woman of no matter what capacity could have contained. Those unfortunates often complain that their demon smothers them, but they have never been able to put an end to the situation. And nevertheless, there are some who reach orgasm in this cold and loathsome embrace. Hot. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Let me tell you my favorite part of that. That lady that points to the kitchen utensil? <laughs> so there was an assembly in her kitchen where she was talking about getting fucked by an incubus and went, oh, it's like that, and points to somewhere in her kitchen. To, oh, I, I uh, mean, what do you think about Was it a rolling pin? Like, was it like a... I don't, I, I, maybe like a pestle and mortar kind of thing. Like I, 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 that was, that, yeah. It's I quite mean, lovely. it says it's, it's so large that no woman could possibly contain it. So maybe it was like a butcher block. Yeah. Oh, wow. God. That's really awkward. Yeah. Take that Reddit. Yeah. Uh, the, the Reddit stories I heard is that they're, they're the, the sucky, sucky by are delightful and, and nice to look upon. Um, but of course, these are like it's, idiot sixteen-year-olds on Reddit. So I mean, it's really possible that people on Reddit are confusing uh, incuba and succuba with um, just really potent imaginations while they're masturbating. Yeah, that's my guess. Or they're just you know bullshitting bullshit people that say bullshit. Wait, it's, you yeah. mean on the internet? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I I don't I don't want to I don't want to shatter the 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 concept that everybody has out there, but. People have just once or twice over the years said something that's incorrect on the internet. But don't Dang. worry, I've been in the comments section correcting them. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, Alex. We all are extremely thankful. I for appreciate your it. That's, that's all. I've, that's all I've wanted out of the world is somebody to finally thank me for um, for calling that guy Hitler that one time. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Alex's law? Yes. All right, uh, so uh, so all right, let's make sure that you've asked all the questions you need to ask about Freemasonry. Well, you know, I think it's hard for me to do because I mean, frankly, I'm asking more for the audience than for me because this is really the the view of Freemasonry I had before uh, is what you're saying, and, and it seems kind of fun. It's like not fun, but like it, 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 you know, it's one of these things that. Shut up, Alex. That's that's the view <laughs> of Freemasonry I had because I've I've always been early on in my conspiratorial research i stopped thinking that conspiracy theories are possible now not all of them but well a lot of them got destroyed and freemasonry is one of them that went this is just doesn't the pieces aren't there yeah they really aren't anybody who goes to visit a masonic lodge i mean the thing is you could have every conspiracy theorist you know across well i mean at least in the united states like get every conspiracy theorist together Tell them all, hey, go to the local Masonic Lodge. Uh, they almost all are going to have a public event or public dinners of some sort. Go meet Freemasons and then come back and tell us what the conspiracy is. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, my God, their pancake breakfast recipe is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, you know, it's one of those things. And it's it's also kind of this weird thing of, of what a conspiracy is, is that... Like we we don't think I was saying with the cop thing that you know the conspiracy of the shield, but you yeah. don't go to the conspiracy of the conspiracy of the hanged man, and that's the Catholic Church. No one says it like that because, but well, I mean, it is if in every way a conspiracy. Yeah. but it's not sexy and hidden. 
even though Masons aren't. I mean, I guess maybe a well, while I mean, ago they were. If it's a, if there is a conspiracy theory amongst you know the the so called like highest level of Freemasonry, uh, it probably has nothing to do with Freemasonry. It's probably a conspiracy of people who may have met through Freemasonry or something of that nature. Yeah. But the majority, if the majority of an organization isn't involved in the conspiracy and it's just a couple of people in it, then it that's not a conspiracy. That's a couple of people who are corrupt. Yeah. Well, I mean, I said this about that whole uh, uh, and that that whole skull and bones thing. Where oh, jeez. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is a real society. It is a I real know. conspiracy. Yeah, but I mean, the totally thing is, real. what it is is, yeah, rich people tend to hang out with other rich people. Rich people also tend to run shit. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, that's a conspiracy, but it's not a conspiracy in the way that we've romanticized it, in the way that, like, it, it could be made into a movie or a compelling book. It's just, yeah, it's just Wait, rich no, no. white guys hanging out with rich they, white guys. They already made it into a movie. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, that's yeah. 100% they, it's right. Totally, it's totally a conspiracy that you can make yeah. a new movie because they, they did it. Yes, yes. What was it called? Skulls, Bones, or something like that? Uh wasn't it called Skull and Bones? Was it just called Skull and Bones? I thought there was a, I thought, no, it was called The Skulls or The Bones or, I don't think they used the exact name because I think they were going to get sued by, you know, by I, Yale. Uh, I watched that movie and. It was terrible. Yeah. So I just decided to forget it. Yeah. You're probably right. Let's yeah. just, I'll just stick with that. Right. Um, what other, I mean, I, I think, I think we got, I think we got it covered. Oh, well, um, you know what? Let me ask you, I guess as a, okay. as a personal question, less than. So you was a as a practicing occultist or practicing uh, ceremonial magician. Sorry, uh-huh. um, what do, what do you get out of this? If it is, you know, I, I mean, you said it's very, you know, it's a lot of Christian kind of stuff in it. What's what's your what's your gain from it? You know, well, um, you know, I mean, I'm not I'm not Christian, um, and the the religion or spiritual practice that I feel most drawn to has been dead for two thousand years. Um, so I guess part of it is I meet a bunch of people. So Freemasonry gives you the opportunity to meet people across all economic, uh, strata across the entire religious spec. Well, not the entire religious spectrum, but a vast swath of the religious spectrum, a vast swath of the political spectrum, um, and of all different ages you get. Uh, so, so I mean like at its most surface level, Freemasonry teaches you how to be friends with anybody. Like I can be friends with, I'm not going to say anybody, but like almost anybody you introduce me to, I can, I can be friends with them. I can find things in common with them. Like it teaches you sort of the commonality of humanity. There's a, uh, you'll read a lot of, this is one of the things that I, that I lecture about a lot in Freemasonry is that, um, there are historians and and Masonic scholars who who like to say that Freemasonry is um, kind of a tool or a or a product of the Enlightenment. But in my mind, Freemasonry is counter Enlightenment. We are the last gasp of the Renaissance, sort of trying to reassert itself in a, in a way that teaches us the value of of the the human nature human experience in kind of a divine sense it's like renaissance humanism Mm. um so for me it it teaches kind of like the the beauty of humanity in a way that that allows me to relate with every single person i come into contact with is that 
yeah. too weird. No, no, and, and and you get to run the world. So I mean, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just a side benefit. You know, we yeah. get like free movie passes. Yeah, uh, like twenty percent off at Adidas stores. You know, all that kind of stuff. You yeah, know, sort of Mason things. You you hit the Roswell crash. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. totally. Actually, we get we get UFO rides to work. Oh, that's like, good. If you have freemason co-workers you'll notice they're always there on time or early it's because of the ufo rides they're, oh, they're free yeah it's, it's yeah. like that episode of the simpsons with the the, the stone the stone oh, yeah. cutters club I mean, yeah <laughs> we did make steve gutenberg a star oh god yeah, i'm glad to hear it and also like right now you know the 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 over the overland max is is uh is sort of disrupted because of all the construction but freemasons get to take the secret yeah the secret max. underground max yeah you know, the underground nice. max tunnels yeah, yeah. the uh, the beige and mauve lines <laughs> What uh, what 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 religion uh, two thousand years ago died that that you get closest to? I kind of consider myself a, a hermeticist, a follower of the hermetic tradition. All right, so let's talk about Hermes quickly. Not okay. not not. I mean, who cares? Okay, all right. all right. If we're going over, you you tell me when we're cutting off. We're, you... we're already over, but it, I don't care. You can um, make it into multiple episodes. That's eh, the beauty just... of. Of podcasting, right? But also, it could just be a long one. I mean, it's it could my, be. It's my show. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. I could know what to answer to. Um, <laughs> all right. Okay. I mean, I get. What, what's hermeticism? I mean, I know what, it, but this the, the, the I don't know how to start this. So Jeez, what's hermeticism? So wait, you're putting the, the, the you're the host. You're supposed to. Okay. All right. Okay. Wait, uh, Hermes Trismegistus, the Hermes Thrice Blessed, is the Greek version of Thoth, aka Dehudi. Who? Well, no, uh, oh. <laughs> All right, let's let's back up a little bit here. Like, so, so Hermes Trismegistus is not necessarily the Greek version, but let's say the Alexandrian version. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Fine. Yeah, so, uh, it's being a little clip. Yeah. Right. Um, I get. You want me to do a little encapsulation first? Because I'll do it for here. Let me give. <laughs> let me give the idiot's guide, and then you okay, can correct okay. me. So, the idiot's guide is essentially this: that uh, ancient Egyptian god Thoth, Dehudi to them, uh, is the god of writing, mathematics, etc. Uh, in one of his forms or permutations, uh, according to a prince, according to, uh, let's just say, uh, some people believe he inscribed in emerald tablets uh, a certain uh, writing that said certain things. Oh, jeez. Uh, it was, look, I'm telling you just what the, this <laughs> oh, is. Oh, no, the, no, yeah, keep yeah, going, keep yeah. going. You're, you're the boss. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just giving you what the, what the, the average worldview is the Reddit people. Um, these were, I, I don't, they never tell how they're discovered, but either way they were translated and they are put into thing as the hermetic, uh, 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 corpus, uh, that, that is known today. And you can read translations of this thing that probably never existed. That's where my think of it, uh, <laughs> to this day, that is, that is the, uh, again, the, the Reddit, if you go to Reddit backslash R backslash occult, will tell you, you mean forward slash. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, your windows thing is really getting to you, isn't it? Uh, well, okay. Just... All right. So. All right. Let, let's. I'm going to, I'm going to approach this in a, in sort of a shotgun pattern sort yep. of way. So first of all, the there's one emerald tablet. Uh, it's not part of the original, like super old uh, hermeticism, but it was probably written uh, in Arabic originally in the seventh or eighth century. Yeah. Um, before that, you have a collection of texts. There's there's a few collections of texts, but the the main one, the main two that we have now, are the Corpus Hermeticum, which was first uh, translated into Latin and introduced to the Western world in the late 15th century by uh, Ficino, and then the Asclepius, which was 
available in a Latin translation way earlier than that, maybe like 10th or 11th century. Um, and then even also around that time, you uh, so so those texts probably go back to uh, somewhere between the first and the third century common era. Um, I mean, that's just not important. What What's really important is sort of the philosophy they teach. I mean, yeah, they were totally stamped out or died out or weren't popular enough or easy enough for people to access and, and, and continue on. Uh, I don't think anybody really knows how they died um, or how the, the, the religion died, but it's a, it's kind of like Gnosticism, but not really. It's a, it's a view of, of creation that is um, kind of emanatory. Like we view God as sort of um, creating the world as, as, as an emanation of itself. Uh, One of the biggest things in, in, Oh, this is so difficult to describe. Dang it. We've run into something that I have difficult talk, difficult Hmm. talking about especially after all this beer. <laughs> um, all right. So, all right. So God is like a beer and we're hops. God is but like, God, a, <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. So God is like a beer. We're hops, but, but creation itself is, is the barley. So the hops looked down upon the barley and said, Holy shit. I think that barley wouldn't be complete without me. And God was like, well, shit, jump in the beer and man as hops descended into the beer made everything perfect and now we're stuck here for a little while until we decide to get out of the bottle yeah so basically it's 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 a it's a little chunk of god sparked off and uh interacted with the with the ape thing and that's 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 where we are yeah yeah kind and of that's that's yeah. I, and i'm much more familiar i'm much more familiar with the gnostic side of things but that's you know very yeah i mean you know they're, they're very they're very closely yeah. related they both came out of the same time period they both um they both have some really similar approaches to things uh one of the biggest differences is that gnosticism tends to be dualist in the sense that the material world is seen as sort of like evil and something to be like ignored and escaped from. And Hermeticism has this other view where, where, um, where all of humankind, all of mankind um, is sort of like an emanation of the same kind of divine thing that, and, and so is nature. So nature and humankind were sort of like drawn together and we are here as caretakers of nature um and our duty is to be here until we decide it's time to escape so there's always like there's there's definitely this sense of like imprisonment in the material world or imprisonment in creation but um in gnosticism a lot of times that imprisonment is involuntary whereas in hermeticism it's not only voluntary but seen as something that's kind of beautiful where even though we might be unaware of it while we're here the goal of those who have become aware of it is to say like, Hey everybody, look at how awesome we actually are. We should be aware of what we're doing. Oh crap. It's like the original hippie religion. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, that's Hinduism. I think has a beat by a couple thousand years, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah possibly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but you know, um, scholars have sort of looked at the corpus hermeticum and, and the hermetic tradition and, and uh, theorized or, put together i still don't really understand how that branch of uh his history and 
religious study works, but they've sort of put together that the teachings and lessons in Hermeticism are old. They're a distillation of, of older uh, Egyptian teachings. Yeah. So it might be a really, really old form of um, esoteric Egyptian religion. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge advocate of the whole Egypt stroke India is the wellspring of all knowledge that turns into the Western kind of canon. That whole, I, I really think that old Egypt and India were super, super intertwined because there was like where, where Dwarka, the under underwater city that's, you know, like kind of in it, right off of India, which they found somewhat recently. Let me uh, check yeah. uh, Google Maps. Can I get there from Moo? Uh, well, you know, but this is real. Uh, no, this is actually like they found it because uh, okay, it's okay. referenced in the in the Mahabharata uh, uh-huh. that uh, that that uh, uh, Krishna has his city of Dwarka, and they thought it was bullshit, uh-huh. and they actually found where Dwarka was. Oh, cool. Um, but basically, I, I there's with the trade and the way that some of the language groups work is that like really, really old uh, India, like Indus Indus Valley civilization, and like where the massive landmass that was subsumed that probably, frankly, was Atlantis, uh, in in a very real like it's just they were cool people that knew how to write stuff down, not crystals that shot spaceships like, right, you know, I mean, like hey. just just proper advanced uh they they influenced each other in egypt and that's uh-huh. why a lot of the a lot of similarities come from because the mahabharata and a lot of like ancient like uh, indian writing sounds a shitload like ancient egyptian writing and that they all kind of bleed into each other in a way that it's like it's hard not to you know, now yeah. how much how much i mean i know about the mahabharata yeah um which is old but it only dates back to like the sixth century ad doesn't it that's like kind of the written whatever it's it's kind of one of those but but there's a trap there there's a trap because yeah because oral tradition changes oral tradition changes and uh just because we started writing something down at some point doesn't mean that it stayed that way for a long time totally so uh so i mean like before the mahabharata uh we had like the Vedas and things that were written in Sanskrit and typically on like palm leaves and things that weren't all that permanent. So there was still probably some kind of oral tradition or a copying tradition involved there. Well, the Mahabharata, it was meant a pre-writing was much like the Iliad or the Odyssey is, is was meant to be sung slash performed uh-huh. well, that it was, it was right, a, right. a spoken thing. Except uh, that the, uh, except that the, the, the Homeric stuff was written down like sixth century BCE. Yeah. But so, but the idea is that the, the, what we have written is like the distillation of it, it's basically the first. Yeah, we have it later as a written form, but there's evidence of those stories being much more ancient. OK, that this is like so it's not that you you look at you look at, you know, uh, you know, uh, Krishna and Arjuna on the battlefield or whatever and say, oh, this is like the story they had 3000 years ago. Uh-huh. But there's other like scraps of evidence There's other s- songs. There's, you know, the, you know, there's there's ways to kind of date it a little bit further back that makes, you know, makes one think that because there's also the whole Egyptian thing where a lot of those old stories sound like parts of the, the earliest forms of Mahabharata, which they have like, huh. you know, I guess that's something that I, I'd really like to read more about. I, I mean, I know that with Egyptian stuff, you know, a lot of the things that we have uh, surviving are written in stone and tend to be like books of the dead stuff or or incomplete things that were like written on the walls of temples. Yeah. And a lot of things just didn't survive. Um, well, also, and let me let me step in here as well. I'm not positing that this is right 
I'm uh-huh. just saying this is a really cool idea that would fit things. Oh like, man, I, yeah, yeah, I, I'm I just, sorry, I completely agree. I think yeah, yeah, this is I, a really I just, cool I just idea. really need to like I should because again I get carried away with stuff and forget to kind of point out this is like I've heard people put it together. The arguments uh-huh. I heard are, are are really interesting to me. I'm not putting out, hey, you should repeat this and say this is a thing that just <laughs> this is an interesting thing and and because it is. It it is striking the similarity of stories uh-huh. going back very far that there needs to be an ur root kind of area and yeah. it's either got to be it's got to be India or Samaria it has to be one of the two that feeds through Egypt because right it's Egypt, not Ohio yeah. yeah well I mean it might be because well, I mean, the thing was... is did you know that the the Native Americans they built vast empires there was actually Egyptians in America and in the Grand Canyon no, there was wait hold on a second hold on a second <laughs> were these thirty third degree Egyptians. Uh yeah well this yeah they see, <laughs> wait so wait away. wait Egyptians in America I do you not know this theory no <laughs> yeah there's I mean I, know, I do know that like apparently there's a cavern inside of the Grand Canyon filled with Egyptian artifacts there's also in in the Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania the burial place of Alexander the Great oh geez I wondered where they'd gotten to what about a I read way too much of the nonsense it's, it's sorry I I find intense joy in this stuff. <laughs> Um, I mean, so, so the connection between like, uh, ancient Egyptian, um, sort of like culture and religion and, and ancient Indian culture and religion, I think is, is fascinating. Yeah. It's more, I shouldn't say really, it's more the, the, the fundamental aspects of their story Uh that, that, that feeds into the religion. It's are are similar is what I'm more in the the shorter way of putting that. In my mind, it's, it's really, and and now I'm just going to say that. In spite of the fact that I've done a little bit of reading on both sides of those, I, I, I'm just, I'm too ignorant to make any sort of argument one way or the other. But, but my feeling is that ancient Indian religion is, is very, like, there's a lot of really divergent stories. Ancient Egyptian religion is the same way where you have divergent stories where you, where you can trace like the, the primacy of various, uh, cults and gods yeah. and religions, um, in a way that that would indicate to me that it was more like small scale localized uh, uh, cultural clashes than um, than things that were communicated over vast distances. Well, here's the one that, uh, yeah, here's the one that I'm thinking of because I thought of the example I was trying to cover. I mean, there's there's like Atmun and uh, Aten. Right, like the the concept of like a an over god or a yeah a tr- uh, you know, like a, a trans experiential god that like exists beyond um beyond creation or or prior to creation. So like in uh, in the Egyptian religion, you've got the the Ennead, like the the first eight gods, where the first one is sort of like uh, I think that's Atum or whatever who who has sort of this this like pre-generative existence where he um where where you know he's sort of the responsible creation and then i think in in indian religion sort of the sort of like the proto-religion there has the same sort of thing where beyond where where prior to that's um i I can't it's not brahma it's um, uh well you've got the three primary gods brahma yeah, it is Vishnu Brahma. Yeah. Shiva. Brahma, Brahma is like kind of but the. But there's a prior god. 
Yeah. So, well, but Brahma is like the all encompassing one, which is in Egyptian, but they have that. That was the story I was going with is that in Egyptian, they have Nur that comes out of the water and creates everything that is known, like the creates Uh the universe from the primacy of the other gods, which is actually weirdly enough, a very Gnostic thing as well. Um, uh, uh, the Hindu beliefs have the same thing who I don't remember what the god was but uh, so Brahma is the everything he's the all powerful he is almost the universe and then uh-huh. one of his kind of subsidiaries kind of grew out of himself and they would describe it as coming from a river and then coming into matter which is weirdly I mean it's almost the same story in Egypt yeah. so that's like I remember that was one of the ones in the comparative thing that I read that it's like oh that's weird that's oddly specific to have you know yeah okay alright I see what you're saying I see what you're saying I, I still I still want to I'm still going to be cautious in accepting your oh, well, I mean, your it's hypothesis. Not, I mean, frankly, it's just something I read one time that I thought it was pretty badass, and uh-huh. it made sense because there's a lot of weird overlap. Because like that's odd that they would have this odd a river that matter comes from in the original. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's not that odd. They were looking up and they saw the Milky Way. So well, I mean, like a river. Also, I mean, it does sort of make sense. It's not odd because we're all humans. Yeah. And we all have the same sort of like genetic code that predisposes our 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 meat thinkers yeah. into the same kind of like experiences but the thing is the anunnaki talked to the dogon and that's why they knew about things that's that, yeah and that's where the illuminati comes from yeah. i mean you know hail eris and pass yes. the ammunition i i wish i wish more people that liked ancient aliens understood uh any kind of like Discordian i've never stuff. watched a single episode of ancient aliens i don't i i have watched some of it only out of like kind of what's going on in the universe. So I like the uh-huh. ancient alien hypothesis a million years ago as, as just like a, a fun, well, that's an idea. And then this show came out of like, Oh, you're taking this way too seriously. And then real <laughs> people started, be- started believing it. And uh-huh. so, um, I'm only familiar in the way that like people kind of throw their idiot at me. And it's like, Oh, really? This is no. So anyway, yeah, I, I wish they would understand some of the like, kind of discordian themes. It's like, if you understood just how, how much this plays into just kind of the the primal uh, enjoyable nature of things and like they're not you know if if they just understood that they're they're mistaking entertainment for knowledge like that <laughs> their lives would be a lot a lot more illuminated well oh, yeah that that might be true but at the same time like even for me a big part of my spiritual and religious path uh involves entertainment i mean i wouldn't be doing you know, I, I wouldn't be doing ritual and ceremony and all this sort of stuff if there wasn't some level of entertainment to it. Like, it keeps me occupied and interested. Yeah. Um, and in fact, even, like, the capacity for entertainment must be divine. Oh, How would yeah, it not yeah. be? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, there's very few. I don't know any god structures that are that are that kept it on the DL. I mean, they tend to be pretty <laughs> showmanship, you know. Oh, oriented. man, and so many of them are just, like, like assholes too yeah like i don't know any religion that went and god created the world and went like just shut up i don't don't talk about me no more like yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh we should make one up oh Oh, i I wanted to be a cult leader for a while we we have we'll be the cult of like the quiet god oh the cult of the quiet god uh, sounds good as fuck i have that's uh i'm not gonna say that you're not the first person to propose that to me yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be so much fun. Yeah, the cult of the quiet god. God created the universe, and then just kind of went. Yeah, you've already, you've already gonna... got a podcast. A yeah. podcast is is like the modern cult. You know, you you've got followers. You've got people on Reddit. You you've got uh, you know. Yeah, but the the unfortunate thing is, my followers they all listen to me, and every time I talk, I I always like have the caveat of everything I'm saying is bullshit, and it's just what I believe in the, at this. Point. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Moment. But you know, maybe so they'll listen. Maybe now that you've got me uh, as a guest on your podcast, maybe they'll pay more attention and they'll be like, "Oh yeah, it's time to start a cult." Yeah, I mean, I'm down. I I've said this for a while. Any way that I can stop going to my job, I'm down. So if I can have somehow just get people showing up, I'll get an ashram on a mountain. Um, you know, I can, I can, I can. We can have naked altars because apparently you're obsessed with them. Oh, I, <laughs> I. Think that if we rewound a little bit, we would find that you were the first person to mention naked altars. Unfortunately, so. I don't edit the show and I don't listen to it, so I'm pretty sure you brought it up. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, yeah, yeah. I would say that. Uh, I mean, I enjoy naked altars as much as the next guy. Um, I mean, maybe the next next guy, since since you're obviously the next guy right now. But yeah, but I but I run this cult, so it works out. <laughs> All right, so. Um, we're 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 now approaching the let's be done with this uh, hour. Great. Let, let us let us think of uh, a last thing. If there's anything that's been left on the table, but I think um, I think remarkably we've actually tied up a lot of loose ends for this show. Right. Where I usually never finish anything. I think we I think we really kind of finished those conversations. I think so. I want to I want to I want to plug uh, my my podcast yeah, do that. again. Uh, and you, I would, I would like you to come and be a guest on 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 my podcast. Oh, no, I, our, I, our podcast. I, I would, I would love to. I, I would right. love to not. I would love to not run something and just. You be, might uh, have to leave the basement. No, I do. I leave it all the time. I okay, just, you okay. know, I would have to leave the basement and talk to someone else, which is that's the rare point. Yeah, but, yeah. We usually. Uh, I mean, a lot of times we. we I, I can't say that anything is for certain, but you know. Our goal is to like go to breweries and drink beer and talk about how much we like the beer and then discuss some strange occult topic. Which is, I mean, I, I'm pretty good with that. So, yes, right. I agree. Um, so it's my alchemical bromance. Now, what uh, what sort of a universal resource locator can you give them? Um, well, we're on iTunes podcast search thingy and Stitcher and um, Google play music thing but in in just web browser terms my alchemical bromance dot com yeah i could have guessed that nice. <laughs> uh and then also i am going to be speaking at the local oto lodge about magical memory um which i didn't really we didn't really touch on very much in this incredibly long podcast but uh it'll be fascinating there'll i'll talk about play-doh yeah I, not I think not it's be not good. the the goo, but like the dude. Yeah, that, that jerk that put those people in the cave and tortured them. I oh, know. yeah. Totally. I know what he did. Yeah, yeah. Caveman Plato. Yeah. Yes. So that's great. Oh. I, I've really enjoyed this, by the way. I, I hope that you have me back as a guest again someday. Yeah, no, you? no. It was fun. I, I, I agree. I agree with your sentiment. Uh, uh-huh. I, you've, you've done well articulating. Oh, great. Thank you very much. I, yes. I appreciate that. Uh, I didn't even get to to uh, share the, the tarot decks that I brought for show and tell. So we'll have to do that next time, too. Yeah, do, do you have like one really weird one we can we can do quickly? Uh, sure, sure. Oh, okay. This is um, Robert Place's Hermetic t- or uh, Alchemical Tarot, the first edition. All right. Okay. Can we hear it shuffle? Oh yeah, I, I'm I'm sure we'll pick those up. Ooh, fun. Yeah, why don't, why don't you awkwardly throw me out three cards? Okay, all right. 
You said you do three card pulls, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, it's weird because I said I'm like not a, uh, uh, you know, ceremonial belonger to things. I only do full 15 card with crosses, oh, massively complicated. Why would it's you so, do that to yourself? It's so weird. Like, I'm so, like, kind of laissez faire about everything else, but terror things. I, I build this giant kind of, I build like a, a, a castle to, uh, to, to tarot every time I do a reading. All right. You have any questions? We get to do a general reading. Um, let's just do a general reading because all my questions are, are, uh, you know, filthy. Uh, not all of them but you know most okay here we go the situation the nine of cups i mean speaking of filthy that's got a goat on it what to avoid the eight of wands and what to pursue the seven of cups um man this isn't this isn't one of those easy readings I just now I just want to like throw out three cards at a time until I get a reason reading that's really easy to read since we're okay, but I'll do this. Let me I'm gonna move the microphone out of the way for a second. Yeah, go for it. Oh, you can spin it towards your face. Ah. Just pull towards you and oh yes. Okay. Eric is studying the cards, so I'm gonna be play by play. <laughs> The heraldry is three cards on a field of black. The uppermost card features a goat standing on top a mountain of cups. She's going to say that it's surrounded by empty beer bottles. Surrounded by empty beer bottles. And caps to the beer bottles. Mm-hmm. None of which have important messages in them. Except for there are two cups on the table and cups being libations, libations being like beer. And the love of talking, much like cups, represent... <laughs> Then the fiery wands represent, you know, the other night I was talking about cigarettes, maybe. (laughs) Okay, okay, I'm back. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to talk about this a little bit. We've we've got a we've got a layout here where there are three cards. Um, In in the middle, the situation card is the nine of cups, which is like Alex just said a goat standing atop a mountain in which nine cups are buried. Uh, On the left, we have the card of what is to avoid, where we have the eight of wands. Um, Now, in a a traditional Rider Waite Smith deck, the eight of wands is typically like eight wands that are kind of happening for free. You know, they're flying through the air. Something is happening where you just sort of get them. It's not that way in this deck. And here you've got eight wands, all planted in the ground, all of them on fire on top, um, and a dude chopping. Oh, wait, do I? Should I describe these? Should we just post a picture? Um, yeah, you might as well describe them. No one ever looks at websites, right? Right? Yeah. Right? Okay. I will post a picture, but you might as well describe them anyway. All right. Over on the right hand side, uh, the what to pursue is the Seven of Cups. Now, this is an interesting card in this deck because there's nothing going on uh, in the background. It's a plain blank white background um every single one of the cups or vessels is a different style of vessel uh doing different things like turned upside down whatever the the one that i that my attention is always most drawn to is the one at the bottom right which is a golden drinking goblet with a with an eye and a pyramid or a diamond shape on it 
Uh, be attracted to that because you're part of the Illuminati. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, it's a double Illuminati, right? Because it's a diamond. It's got a triangle exactly. above and below, so it's like a Illuminati Hermes thing. And Jay Z fan. Oh yeah, totally. I I love Jay Z and all of the other letters of the alphabet. <laughs> um, man, interpreting this uh, is, I mean, the Nine of Cups. That's a that's a fascinating one right now. You know, I've been listening to to some uh, recent episodes of the Alex cast. And I feel like that maybe could add some insight to this. Like there's um, so cups deal with uh, the watery level of the soul, um, which is usually like emotion, emotional intelligence, emotional feeling. Um, and here we have emotions buried. Um, and it's a mixed message because the, the nine, nines are typically pretty good. Nines typically happen at, uh, near the end of a cycle, so near a point where things become integrated or, or, uh, or incorporated into sort of a whole or a self. And in this one, um, all, all nine of the cups are buried and with a goat on top, or it's not a goat, it might be an impala. Um, or some sort of animal like that. So it's almost like there's a sense of like a public display and a private um, uh, reality having to do with, with emotion. So we go to the Eight of Wands over here, the What to Avoid card. In most decks, the Eight of Wands is getting something for free, is is having stuff just sort of handed to you. Um, wands are the most terrifying and most wondrous suit. They deal with fire, the the highest level of the soul, where the divine spark sort of touches the uh, the mortal coil, or the divine spark touches the the mortal soul, the 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 animating force. Um, and here you have uh, the, the message in this deck is is uncommon. I don't know that I've ever drawn the Eight of Wands in this deck into reading before. It indicates... Now, again, we're looking at a What to Avoid card here. Uh, it indicates sort of a destruction of passion, it looks like to me. Like, um, uh, you know, chopping down these wands to, to, to quench the fire. Oh, in fact, there's one chopped down. Hold on, let me count. Only seven of the wands are upright and burning. One of them is already chopped down. Um, so the what to avoid has to do with sort of like quenching passion or quenching um, something that is uh, possibly providing like light and inspiration in life. Um, over on the right, uh, the what to pursue card is the seven of cups. Um... It's another unusual card in this deck. Uh, this deck really, really likes its backgrounds and its full sort of like filled out stuff. And the Seven of Cups in most decks is very, very busy. Um, usually it involves an observer looking on a field of Seven Cups where each of the cups is like filled with some sort of like wonder or terror, except for one in the center, which has something unknown where it's sort of like you have six known paths and one unknown path. Here you have six incredibly plain vessels, uh, one of them leaking 
um, a red fluid. Uh, some of them turned upside down. Some of them turned upright. One of them looks to just be a funnel that would just sort of leak no matter what. But then down sort of the the focus of the card is the golden vessel with the, the eye and the diamond. Sevens are cards about obstacles. This reading seems to be about approaching or confronting an obstacle, dealing with um, the same realm that, that vessels deal with, which would be the emotional or, or watery part of the soul. Uh, if you look at this Kabbalistically, it would be the topmost hey, right? Like that's the that's the level of the soul that this would deal with. Uh, so my reading here, addled by time and <laughs> beer, would be that there's there's something that you're dealing with that um that deals with sort of like your emotional approach to stuff or your emotional health or your your emotional well-being um that in some sense you are doing okay with but you're hiding uh and you need to sort of like come to terms with um and this is going to involve avoiding the eight of wands it's it's avoiding it's avoiding sort of like providence you're, you're avoiding things just being like offered to you or provided for you like you, that's that's what you need to avoid that you're going to have to approach it and overcome an obstacle on your own but that obstacle deals with uh the seven of cups uh and th th so oh yeah okay i see the the message there is that a lot of times when you deal with this sort of stuff it can be tough to tackle. And what you're looking at is, is many options, many of which look obvious, um, probably obvious and unappealing. And one of them looks still obscured. Um, I don't know that the seven of cups tells you which route to take. Uh, in this deck in particular, I think it's sort of telling you that the obscured route might be the proper one. But that you shouldn't discount the other routes. Like, all of them are perfectly valid. Nothing is completely being hidden from you. Uh, uh, which leads me to... That common reading that I was talking about at the beginning where it's sort of like, I think the seven of cups is sort of a do the thing that you already know is right reading. All right. Uh, as a fellow tarot guy, let me just say wrong. Okay. It Great. means I'm supposed to get drunk with a goat in the woods and I'm probably going to light it on fire on accident. Oh, God. Can we cheers to that? I mean, I, I, I'm sorry that you missed the obvious reading, but... Uh, <laughs> There's the goat blocks, not but, what, 15 blocks away from here. I like drinking, and I light stuff on fire sometimes. Wait, you said the goat what? The goat blocks. It's an area of Portland over oh, that way. Oh, it's not there. The goats aren't there anymore. Oh, yeah, I know. I used to live, I used to live in the, um, the, the, uh, 
uh, old Victorian mansion, like ah, right next to it, okay. and uh, you could overlook the goats. So that was that was my uh, that was my backyard for a little while. I hated those goats. I'm disappointed that the cards didn't give us like a reading with some like awesome major iconic. I'm here. not. Let me let me give you the reason why, and this is why I don't say it beforehand. Okay. I am what I think in the tarot trade were referred to as a wood fucking block, and it I've historically been incredibly difficult to read for. Like a lot of my like really tar- talented tarot friends, like I've just uh-huh. I've been. I am one of those people that, for some reason, I do throw up really weird, uh, really hard to read tarot readings. Uh. All right, yeah, I could see that. I can see that. We're well, this this. Yeah, you're you're not an easy one to read for. I I could see that. But... Yeah, it's one of those like I I I'm not happy with it because boy would I like easy answers. But over the years, <laughs> I mean, if I did, I mean every now and again, yeah, I get a nice easy one. But uh, yeah, I've, I've I've historically been a uh, one of those difficult ones to read for, <laughs> which is weird because I put up like no emotional blocks. Like I'm just gonna like, hey, look, you can just have all of it. But uh, maybe. I don't know. All right. Well, you know what? It's been it's been a pleasure to be on the podcast. Yes. Thanks I, for having I, me. I, I thank thank you for coming on. Thank you for uh, thank you for the tarot flips, and um, thank everybody. Thank you, one and all, little Timmy. And, and thank you, Reddit. Yeah. Thank you, Reddit forward slash r forward slash tulpas. Uh, <laughs> I guess so. Uh, uh, find you at uh, what's what's your give me your Twitter. Uh, Arnamancy. A R N. Oh God! Just type that and keep going. You'll you'll figure it out. Arnamancy. Arnamancy. And then uh, myalchemicalbromance.com for the podcast, and um, and that's about it. You can. I, I'm everywhere on the internet. There's two Eric Arnesons. One of them is a uh, is a political writer who also writes about like sports cars and board games, and that's not me. Yeah, let's let's not go to that one. Right, right. I go mean, you can just go to his first. Yeah, yeah. He's got great stuff. He's a great writer. He he even writes like mystery short stories and novels and things like that. But me, I'm the other one. I'm the one that's weird. Yeah. Okay. Well, I did it. Thank you for coming on. Thank yeah. you, uh, people, for listening, and uh, thank you for uh, the stone that the builder refused. Bye.